You want me to announce it or you want to go? Well, well, how about if I give it a shot? Hey, everybody. It is uh, <laughs> November 11th or November 8th, 2018. We're listening to Apologetics Live. This is the uh, seventh one, I guess. Apologetics Live 007. So that's good. We've got a lot more going. And um, welcome. So if you got questions, you got comments, you want to talk about something, give us a, you know, jump in the room here. And also, I'm going to put the link up for the, uh, I'm going to do it myself, the, the, um, a video that I can watch it and see if anybody is is uh, texting on various uh, whatever on we there. can talk about with our commenting. Yeah. So how you been, man? Uh, not too bad. Yeah, just been busy plugging away with work and all that. But I just had uh, today off and yesterday off, so I've just been kind of kind of chilling out, relaxing. Right. So good. Yeah, Glad. but looking right. forward to tonight and. Uh, like I said, I already gave the link over to uh, the Roman Catholic page. And I don't know if other people are going to show up, but we'll see. Um, we do have right now Tonia uh, on right now with us. Um, she's muted, but I did. Tonya or Tonia? Well, it's it's T-O-N-I-A. Oh, oh she's she gone. Yes, left. Oh, so, man. Somebody did not like that. But anyway, so I'm going through the Apologetics Live Facebook group page where all oh. the questions are at. And uh, there is one question from Nancy Jackson that, that did call, uh, did write. She says, okay, folks, here's my question. Women are not to serve as pastors or elders and to, and to teach men in church and the husband as spiritual authority over the wife. Then... What are women allowed to do Everything besides else. besides teach other women and children? How does this affect teaching the lost, including men, about salvation? Well, they can make sandwiches for the guys. And, Ooh, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love doing that. I get myself in so yeah, much trouble. Yeah, I, you yeah, I know. No, I just say <laughs> it's trouble digging myself a hole. Get it? Just, um. No, they could do anything and everything in the church except for being teaching authority over men. That's what it is. There's lots of things in the church that people do, uh, men as well. There's music. There's janitorial. There's cooking. There's cleaning. There's setup. There's takedown. There's uh, visitations. There's uh, uh, helping out with a diaconate kind of thing in that giving out canned foods. There's all kinds of, of stuff that can be done. Or just right. not to they be a teaching authority. Exactly. In my church, you know, we have female deacons, you know, deaconesses, uh, which I, I don't have a problem with at all. I, I think that that'd be fine. They can serve in that matter. Uh, I usually just narrow it down to the point where it's like, oh, I, I, I feel like women within the church should not be able to teach behind the pulpit. That's for sure. That, or be elders. Yeah, and elders also. Yeah. So, I mean, that, when you narrow it down that way, it kind of opens up more right. opportunities, I think, for women to see and seek. But, you know, women can still preach the gospel. They can still teach and, you know, they can still uh, be in classrooms and, and be able to share their, you know, their knowledge. Um, it's it's well, you know, just, yeah. We, back in seminary, we had a, a week. I mentioned this every now and then. We had a week where it was open, all the classes were open up to the public. And... Um, I supposed to go get this one woman who's going to speak. I forgot. I was embarrassed. But um, 
she came and, and they flew her in from someplace to teach a class during seminary for uh, on the topic of what can women do in the church and i thought this would be great i need to go to this um what an awesome topic the place was packed and uh, i was the only male in the entire class and that was a real problem so uh let's see tulip doctors of grace matt slick's presence is weak and his speech contemptible oh, yes he is in good company i don't know who that is is, is that so, Lee Flowers? <laughs> no it says tulip <laughs> um, i'm kidding no he said uh it was a tulip doctrines of grace oh, okay, okay matt okay. slick's yeah, yeah. presence is weak and i don't know what he's referring to but uh, anyway so um Okay, so uh, yeah, and it was really it really bothered me a lot that uh, the uh, there was there weren't any other men in the church. They, and these, this was you know classes for people being pastors. Of course, you want to go there. Mm -hmm. so, so I think some of the guys did not like the idea of a woman teaching them. I have no problem with that. You know, they can teach. They have lots of stuff to teach us. They just can't be in teaching authority of men in the church. And a seminary was not the church. That's all. So right. All right. Yeah. With us tonight, we actually have Chris K. Dub Williams, which uh, he was there the other the other week when we had the uh, vocab alone with us, and uh, Chris actually showed up along with his friend uh, brother Jay, <laughs> and uh, uh, after uh, dealing with uh, Chris and uh, or, or being having Chris around. Um, I've really taken a liking with his ministry that he's been involved with. He's been doing the uh, the Black Hebrew Israelites. Uh, in fact, he recently just had a, a, a debate, Matt, with uh, with one particular Black Hebrew Israelite. And um, who's the, 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 the? Oh, um, that would be Chris right here, the guy who's in our, oh, okay. in our hangout Chris right now. Chris debated him. Good. Yeah, Chris debated this one black Hebrew Israelite guy, and so okay. the funny thing was, and Chris put, put a uh, a highlight video of it, and the guy, the black Hebrew Israelite, actually said, "Chris, how did he how did he word it? He said something like, um, the the words of Paul are inspired, but they're they're not God breathed.' Is that what he said? Oh, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, Go ahead. He was he was trying to make the argument i guess that paul's paul's letters are inspired but they're but they're 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 lies essentially is what he said and so Wait, they're inspired and they're lies <laughs> yeah that's that's what that was, that was my next question and then he proceeded to tell me you know that's why white people are deceiving me and so i was like yeah so he wasn't Wait a minute. very how would he know if white people are deceiving him because he'd be deceived he wouldn't know he's being deceived so how would he know yeah, there's many questions to ask, you know, based, you know, we were having a debate on justification by, you know, I was arguing we're saved by faith apart from works, Romans 3.28, which he said is false. Um, and wow. so, yeah, so he said Paul was a liar, but he's still a good brother. And well, actually, was Paul, was Paul black? I, that's a good question to ask, because he probably would say, yeah, but uh, he said Paul was a liar. Peter was a liar and Luke was a liar. <laughs> and how, how would he know that they're liars? How does he know this? Well, I, yeah, that's a good question. Well, well, his, because of his misunderstanding of the old Testament. And so any, 
anything new can't be true from you know from his perspective you know you can't you can't add to what has already been said well i guess christ got to be a liar too i mean I, I, <laughs> yeah wow well it's funny because he actually was saying something to the fact of uh, paul was not an apostle right even though his letters all said that he was but he was he was saying you find another apostle who claimed paul to be an apostle Peter <laughs> said that Paul's writings were inspired. Exactly. That's what that. That's what Chris brought Peter. up. Yeah, I brought, Chris that, brought up. that up. He said, "Well, it was a silly argument, and I, I think I showed how." He said he he didn't say it was scripture. He called it a letter. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's good because that's exactly what it is. So he's right. agreeing with the Apostle Paul and Peter that it's a letter. And he said it was inspired. So I would ask him what inspiration means. It means it's without error. That's what it comes from God. So if it's inspired, but it's lies, then God inspired lies. So he's accusing God of sin. Yeah, that's. I mean, I did ask him. You know, how how can you have in, inspired infallible lies if if you admit that it's inspired, and it's you know the author is ultimately God, not Paul, essentially. Um, yeah, you would be accusing God of of. You know, inspiring lies, preserving yeah. lies. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of can of worms that comes from that. What's well, the, the, just remember, the, in inspiration, they can record lies. So you know, the Satan lied, other people lied in deception, right. so it'll record them. Uh, that's different than saying Paul the Apostle was teaching lies. Right. Which I'd like to know is like, okay, so he's inspired of God to teach lies, lies. right? Not recording a lie. As in someone else said it, but he's but God is now inspiring him to do this. That that's right. uh, that's that, yeah. Well, he's, I would say to him, this is what you got to do. This apologetic technique, uh, dude. I mean, Chris, you got to do this. You got to say, take your right hand and put it in front of your face. You know about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have tried that one uh, because this guy was well. He's since then, you know, going to say that I put words in his mouth and all his cult followings are accusing me of actually saying I was saying Paul lied. So he has quite a bit of a cult following. Which is sad. You know? So much heresy, so little time. Yeah, yeah. very much. Yeah. So much. Hey, Matt, so wow. while he, while Chris is here, do you have any questions for him about, um, about any of the black Hebrew Israelite stuff? Or, I mean, have you, well, I have anything? a question. So uh, yeah, yeah. we're gonna shave, man. I mean, look at that. <laughs> kind of grody there. Yeah, I shaved tonight. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm a little. Uh, <laughs> I gotta pick on him. I, have we even met yet? Or yeah, um, I was in the last weeks um, with the okay. Black Hebrews Light, and uh, we met when you came to uh, Texas and debated. Uh, uh, David Smalley, uh, Smalley, and Delante. Um, Delahunty, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was okay. in the I was in the audience yeah. for that. Sorry, man, I don't remember. Yeah, I, sorry. Hear a lot of people <laughs> I, I don't have a memorable, memorable face, so it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I mean, I'd remember. I'd be like, oh man, <laughs> no, I don't know. But, uh, right. You know, it was traumatizing there. Um, so which <laughs> which debate were you at? I was at the uh, Delahunty debate. Okay. And, uh, yeah. How do you think that went? I thought it went. Uh, I thought it went. I thought it went great. I mean, I mean, he has no argument for solipsism. Ultimately, uh, 
So <laughs> he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to go down that route, but he doesn't have any answer for it. Well, what you gonna do? Not right. Much. That's right. Okay, there we go. Turn my phone off to get it charged better. Yeah, I haven't done any debates for a while because my wife's been uh, not feeling well. So um, she actually is starting to, just this past week, starting to seem a little bit better and doing stuff. But anyway, that's a whole other topic. But but yeah, so maybe I'll be getting back into stuff. I've got to put the house up for sale in uh, March. So I'll probably be out of commission for another six months to maybe even a year. Who knows before um, I get back in, into doing debates and stuff. So I don't know, whatever. But uh, where do you live? I live in uh, Texas. I'm in the Dallas yeah. area. Oh, Dallas area? Okay. Yeah. Dallas yeah, I used to live in Wichita Falls when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Yeah, during 1964, man, it was a gnarly uh, tornado <laughs> that came through there. Oh, man, it ripped things up. And I remember seeing it through the bedroom window. Yikes. It's, it's bad news. It's dangerous. All right. <laughs> What's that? So it's dangerous over there. I, I, I just I deal with uh, living in Texas. <laughs> Tornadoes are scary. So, uh, any comment? I mean, I got nothing about the uh, BHI. Oh, okay. Okay. You, you, oh. you have any questions about that? I can go back to the uh, Apologetics Live Facebook group and see if there's any other questions. Um, or, hey, Chris, if you have any questions Actually, for Matt, that'd be fine, a, too. In the uh, chat room, one of the guys has asked about partialism. and wanted it explained oh, okay. and stuff, so I could talk about that really quickly. Exactly. Uh, partialism deals with the, the doctrine of the Trinity or the nature of God in saying that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three parts, and uh, that each one is not fully and completely divine in, in God, but that the three in totality uh, by each other parts some summed up um, are what God is and uh, that's a heresy uh, so that they it's like saying that uh, that when they're okay I look at this way when each part is with the other part all other two parts then God is complete and God is totally what he is so partialism would negate the uh, a theity and indivisibility of God by saying that there's parts that come together to become God and um, the true living God. That's that's uh, heretical. It's bad news. Oh, that helped. That helped guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, another question that I come across here in the uh, Apologetics Live thing. Would you object to a female military chaplain that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, uh, in you know, generically speaking, um, uh, if I were in the military and was a, a female chaplain, I uh, would probably not recognize uh, ecclesiastically her position. But they usually have rank of an officer and up, so um, you have to recognize their authority in that context. So it'd be a, a tight line to walk. Um, but um, I, I, I would have problems with it, and dealing with it, at, you know, bit by bit would be interesting. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah I, you know, I've, I've served in the Navy, and we never had a female chaplain that I did come across. But, um, but <laughs> it's funny because some of the uh, chaplains that I've that I've had under me um, while I was in the Navy, it was 
pretty funny that, that you know one some you know there's one or two that I had that were just really good examples. But I remember there's one guy that was uh, a chaplain of my first ship, and he was one of those kind of weird guys who who just like you know just really didn't live like a chaplain <laughs> he didn't have a very good example i mean oh. he'd hang out with the other sailors smoking cigarettes with them and you know he's swearing and all that kind of stuff and i was like man what the you're a chaplain yeah 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 no but, i were i thought about going into the military as a chaplain because i had my bachelor's at the time and uh, i was thinking about doing that and entertained it for a while but never did um but I would have, I would have uh, gone in as I think they started a lieutenant. I'm not sure how it works, but uh, which branch? But um, never did. I knew that there'd be a lot of problems because I'm so biblically minded that the compromises were not something I'd be able to do. So I, I decided not to. I think that's what it was. But anyway, for those who can, you know, they do that. Uh, they serve their people, so that's good. Yeah. I'm surprised no one has showed up yet. What the heck is going on around here? That's all right. We'll blab. <laughs> yeah, we'll blab. It's our own show. Yeah. What the heck? You I know, had difficulty the... finding the link myself. It should be right on apologeticslive.com. Actually, that, that forwards to a page on CARM. Oh. So the link is there. The participation link uh, is there. Should still it's be there. there. Yeah, I refreshed it and it says, uh, "Yeah, participant link," and it's highlightable. You can click on it and okay, join. So surprised that get bigger so that people can check out. They want to get in there, um, bring their questions. Uh, yeah, I'll do that. So, as you know, you guys have heard about the um, shooting, right, in California? I uh, heard something about there was a shooting down there. Um, yeah. I just saw a headline out of it. I didn't really read the details, but uh, was it a school shooting or what was it? In a bar, um, a bar, a Western bar, and um, this guy killed twelve people. And um, twelve people. Twelve people. Over 300 people have uh, been um, killed in uh, shootings. So the, the left is going to use this as another reason to get rid of, of guns altogether. Oh, yeah. And um, But what gets me is they keep asking the question, and they're too stupid to know the answer. They ask the question, why do these things happen? And they don't realize that secularism does not provide a guard over the heart, but Christianity does. They took God out of schools, God out of the workplace, God out of politics, God out of our entertainment, God almost out of churches, and certainly out of society. And when you have godlessness there, what happens is that void is filled by relativism, uh, immorality, uh, various sins and forms of sins, and so wicked things happen. And then the, the what the the left does try and pass more laws in order to stop the problem that they themselves are contributing to. And this is really a to me it's it's real simple. 
what they need to do is get religion, Christianity, back into our country. Of course, they will never want to do that, but um, that's what needs to happen. Anyway, it's just, I was looking at it. I was really engrossed with it for a little bit. When I was, that's why I was a little bit late getting in here tonight. Is uh, you know, just another shooting. You know? And, of course, in California, not that, uh, uh, be careful how I say this, but, you know, here in Idaho, you can carry guns anywhere, and uh, except for federal buildings. And so I carry everywhere I go. Um, and one of the things you don't hear about in Idaho is mass shootings. Um, and it could certainly happen. I mean, somebody could take, you know, plot shots from places. There's plenty of places in Boise and things like that. But, um, you know, it, it's when you know, we know this, when guns are removed from an area and the bad guys have got guns, that's what's going to happen, you know. Uh, anyway, it's just something, you know, and a lot of people are thinking about it. A lot of people are dealing with it. It's It's unfortunate, you know. Yeah, so some look at he says biblical Christianity says in Australia it hardly happens um, those mass shootings, and uh, and I guess that's true. Uh, so would the same thing happen here in America if all guns were confiscated? Uh, I don't believe so personally, but uh, people do crimes in countries where the guy was a former marine. I think yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a former marine. I enjoyed the discussion with Ryan on the atonement. Oh, on the radio today? Yeah. Andrew Graham. Okay. Anyway, so what do you guys want to blab? Okay. So more questions or issues uh, on the Facebook page? I am looking here, and there is one here where someone, uh, Chris Hudson, asked earlier uh, a few days ago, um, I have a question in regards to the kind of positions in the church. When I was sharing the gospel yesterday, there was a guy who I interacted with who said that he was right with God since he he was the president of his church. I'm not sure <laughs> what religious group he was part of, so I was wondering if anyone in here would know. <laughs> so just because you're a president of a church doesn't mean that you're you're right with God. <laughs> the only president I know of a so-called church is the Mormon church. The president is the prophet. Right, yeah. I was going to say, um, but, I've never heard of a president of a church. I know there's pastors and assistant pastors and elders and, and such, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's whacked. It's a weird... Yeah. <laughs> it's a strange phrasing. Um Let's see what else is there. So what do you guys think of this? You know, something is, I'm going to have to do something on tag here pretty soon. I was hoping that one of the uh, atheists would come in and uh, discuss tag, the transcendental argument for God's existence. Uh, they've been saying that it's been refuted, but it has not been refuted. And I keep telling the atheists it's not been refuted. And I invite them, and I still am, inviting them to come in here and have a discussion on the issue and see if they can defend their position but um uh they don't do that that reminds me when i was down in may in um uh phoenix area uh, vocab malone i think it was vocab who took me i think it was vocab i don't know if he was even in the room the professor um a professor who is an atheist who was um 
he had a weekly meeting in his house. Uh, they discussed all kinds of things. I had all kinds of people come in and talk. And uh, we went there. And it was it was great. We had a great discussion. Um, and I remember something about that with the tag came up. And one of the guys was a philosopher there said tag had been refuted. And I said, uh, really, how? And um, he couldn't articulate how it had been refuted uh, because it hasn't been refuted. But uh, I was hoping some atheists would come in and, and want to discuss that. But I guess they're not going to. Boy, it's a slow night tonight, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, t- they've been saying that for for years now. I mean, ever since you had your conversation with uh, Alex Malpass, mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't know how long ago that, that was. Got two years ago, two and a half years, and um, you you know there was a lot of going back and. forth there was a lot of misunderstanding and there's a lot of talking past each other during that that conversation and so right. uh i think because of that they all think oh see alex you know he he schooled you and, and all that kind of stuff but i think there was a lot of miscommunication once after talking for like two hours you guys finally then i understood what he was getting at yeah you finally understood what was happening and then you know then it kind of went on from there but it, but it never really went anywhere beyond that because you know we had a end of show, right? Um, so it's kind of frustrating that uh, you guys didn't really get together again. But ever since then, though, they said, "Oh, but Alex, you know, he he defeated you and, no, and all that." And I was like, "No, he didn't. There was no, there wasn't any any um, counter argument. You know, you didn't give him a chance, to, right? Or he no, didn't really he did. give you a chance to counter." Right. It's uh, the, the view, the way he put it, that I, he says, Matt, what you're saying is this. And uh, it was either God or not God. So create is a necessary precondition for intelligibility. So it's either A or not A. So it's not uh, A. So therefore, it's not A. Uh, or no, no, it was you have A or not A. Uh, so just do it this way. G or not G. God or not God. And uh, so the not not God means it's God. That was that was the argument. So he says that makes it uh, what's it called? He called it um, trivial. So you have you have uh, I'll go back to A because that's how it was. It was A or not A. So you have two things, A or not A. But when it's not not A, the not A position is negated. Therefore, A is left over. He says, and that's just uh, repeating itself. He says, so that's not a valid argument. That's how he supposedly refuted tag. Seriously. And the atheists say it's been refuted. Uh, really? And if I remember correctly, when I talked to Alex, I asked him, um, tags, you know, it said the argument still, it's not been refuted. He goes, no, it hasn't. The argument, he, did, he says it was the issue of how it was worded in that syllogistic yeah, form. That's what it was. If I, if I remember, I thought it, maybe I, I'm not remembering it correctly, but I remember him. I thought I remember him saying that, uh, no, it's not been refuted. I remember asking him, well, it's not been refuted, has it? Uh, you know, from your perspective. And I think he hemmed and hawed a little bit and, and acknowledged that it hadn't. But um, so I don't know. I, I keep waiting for these guys to to approve uh, this, that that you can have transcendental absolutes, logical absolutes without God. Show me how, you know, and uh, no one's done it yet. So, uh, you know, you only have two options, God and not God to account for the laws of logic. 
universal transcendent laws of logic, the not God position doesn't work. So what's left over is the God position. Right. That's it, you know, and that's it. And they say, no, the not, not God by default means it's God. I'm going, exactly. That's correct. What's the problem? <laughs> uh, they say, no, that makes it trivial and it's, it's a false whatever it is. It doesn't work. How does it not work? And so I could never get that out of them, you know. Kato, so. you, you dealt with a lot of atheists too, didn't you? I mean, you have some videos that deal with, with talking to them, don't you? Yeah, I've done uh, quite a few conversations with atheists as well. It's always uh, enjoyable <laughs> dealing with people, dealing with you know, dealing with someone who you know has no objective, no no foundation for uh, any any objective thing they're going to say or morality. Yet they going to tell you God doesn't exist or he's immoral. You ought Just, to do something, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Might makes right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, That's... are we? No, are we? Yeah. Yeah, I've come across so many different atheists too that that just will not stand. Will take a stand on anything. They don't have any foundation. They don't want to make any claims. That's their. That's their secret. Is is that if they make any kind of claim, then then they have to defend it. Well, that, that's that's how they get around it. Is they don't make any claims whatsoever they want to make sure that you make the claim about right. god so it's it's rather frustrating he did that was his uh, mo to never really make an assertion but i got him to have to defend an assertion in our debate in D- dallas and so uh right because of the dillahunty dodge <laughs> yeah we called it the dillahunty dodge when he said uh um one of our first encounters he said uh there's a third option. I said, well, what is it? And he says, I don't know what don't it know. is. <laughs> Actually, yeah. technically, he was right. The way I was saying things, uh, God or the, or the universe is the creator of the laws of logic. And um, he said, well, it could be a third option. I go, well, then what is it? Um, but he couldn't provide one. But the logic of what he was saying, I understand. And I think there's some point in it. But um, uh, he still wouldn't provide the issue. And so... Is because of that conversation that I actually said, I'm going to go to a, a false dichotomy, uh, disjunctive syllogism format on this and, and stuff. So actually what happens is when I talk to atheists, they help me perfect my arguments even better. Just like mal- Malpass has helped me think through this issue even more. And um, I'm going to be writing something on it a little bit later when my brain wakes up a little. i got too many things going on all the time. But uh, you know, right. we get something to that's the the great thing about apologetics is that when we force ourselves into a position where we can actually converse with other people, such as atheists or Muslims or Mormons or what have you, um, that's what gets us kind of hopefully our brain kind of clicking and, and, and just and, and pushes us to actually want to to do more research and be able to answer it in a more efficient and, and more biblical way. Um, That's your idea. Yeah. Yeah. So we got in our uh, group here, we got David, David showed up here. So uh, you are available or, well, you, I presented you inside here. If you have any questions for Matt or Chris, um, but from now on, though, you guys can start calling me, um, J Dub, uh, I think uh, <laughs> since uh, Chris here, he's known as uh, I can't do that. Yeah, I mean, K Dub, <laughs> I can't. I just thought, uh, 
since uh, Chris is known as K Dub, I thought maybe I could be uh, I could be as cool as him, and I could be known as J Dub. No that? hair, no yeah, no heretics have claimed K Dub yet, so that's why it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> J Dub ain't a good look. <laughs> David, do you have anything to say, or are you uh, kind of in and out? Is he muted? Yeah, he's muted. Even though he's should be. I'm trying to unmute. Oh wait, yeah, he's he's uh, okay. Uh, Away from the keyboard for the moment. Okay, so he's he'll be back. So, any Catholics? Yeah, yeah, David. David. David is part of the uh, the council. He's cool. Okay. Good. How's the council thing going? You know, we uh, eventually I would like to get the uh, into a podcast form and uh, to be able to actually be on the Christian podcast community at some point. Um, I just have to probably, you know, talk to Andrew and just kind of work out the kinks. And uh, yeah, but I mean, other than that, though, you know, we're still hanging out on Discord a lot of the times. And just uh, Discord, I never find anybody. I, I stopped going. Yeah, it's it's there's we've moved around <laughs> so you probably won't find us uh in the whatever group that we were in before yeah uh, i guess not. no so, unfortunately cool. yeah it's it's kind of been wonky over there but uh it uh it's working i mean we're, we're still able to communicate with one another but we haven't really had a lot of discussions so much i did join this one group that dealt with uh atheists um and Matt Yester was in there uh, last week, and oh man, he just schooled him. And he's like, he just totally just blew him up. <laughs> it was great. It was really good stuff. Uh, so what's going on, Matt? Oh, there's David. Hey, not a whole bunch, just uh, hanging out. What you reading lately? Uh, nothing. nothing. I'm writing. <laughs> That's not Matt Slick. Yeah, that's uh, no. I've been writing, uh, doing an outline, writing modifications for the second novel. That's where I do my spare time now. Okay, and then, and then you I just go do like a the... like a web kind of brainstorm deal, and then go in after that. For a novel, I have to write a detailed outline with with locations, uh, okay. days, hours. Who does what? Keep track of, of multiple characters. Write personality outlines of the characters. I would love to see your outlines. I bet they're crazy detailed. They, they get detailed. And um, <laughs> so I was working on it last night till about 10.20. Because the second novel I was writing, I started realizing that um, that it's getting too complicated. And, uh, and I was talking to my wife about how many characters I have. And how they have to inter interact, interact, interact and so I uh, was telling her about this at that minute, and I went, "Wait a minute! I had one less character in there than I did than I do in this one." And so, uh, you know, it's like, okay. So anyway, that's what I'm doing, and a detailed outline, detailed, and I got some fun stuff I'm doing too with it, like I'm getting the names mean things, oh cool, and uh, numbers mean things, and there you go. Um, yeah, and various stuff means things. So yeah. uh, symbols and stuff like that in there. I like that. That's kind of cool stuff. 
Do you uh, do you like to include your eschat eschatological views in your books? Like as far That's as going to be the third novel. Okay, so all right. This one, the first one, the influence that was uh, just designed. Uh, the idea I got years and years ago. Um, 10, 15 years ago, and then it just sat for a while. I decided to write it, but it's a novel. It's the biggest wit warning, a biggest track, evangelism track you've ever seen. It's like, uh, I don't know, 130,000 words. And it's in a suspense novel between demons and angels and people, and there's attempted murder, there's possession, and there's all kinds of stuff, and terror demons, and prayer, and war, and fighting, redemption. And um, so I dealt with the wise. Uh, you know, why is there evil in the world? Why is there the fall? In the second novel, I'm going to be dealing with um, the heresies in the Christian church. Mm -hmm. where I have a particular, uh, this will be for fun, I can say a little bit here, uh, Liberty Independent Evangelical Seminary. Liberty Independent Evangelical Seminary, L-I-E-S. And um, I'm going to use that as a backdrop of a preacher and stuff like that. Out of that, to teach the positive confession, word of faith uh, stuff. He's going to be making claims and things like this. And that's where I was stuck last night is integrating that into the manifestation of the angels, the demons, and some other characters. I'm going to, it, it, but you got to juggle a lot of stuff when you write a novel, I'll tell you. I have a two-part question, if you don't mind. <clears throat> uh, one is, is the time frame of the, of the novel like present day? No. No? Yeah. What, what is it? Oh, it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I thought you said no. And yeah. uh, secondly, what what resources do you use uh, to inspire you on your uh, view of demonology and angelology? Experience and um, uh, scripture, and then just wild ima imagination. Okay. I used to be involved in the occult, and so I've had experiences about what darkness is. I remember its feel. I remember okay. it. Least. And so, um, and then what I'll do is you've seen movies and stuff where they have demons. Sure. Uh, and so what I did in the first novel is I described them, uh, you know, like translucent skin with a tear in the chest and looking into it and you see uh, a moving smoke inside the carcass, the rotting carcass of this demon. And it's, you know, it's jaw comes out forward and I'll describe it like that. And uh, the forked tongue, it whips out saliva at uh, the main guy and it, it moves in an arc and then falls down through the floor and goes back down into the abyss where this creature came from, describing its face and how it moves and things like that. And um, um, one time I was talking in the first novel, uh, it's my, one of my favorite stories about it. There's a, a scene where Kathy, the wife of the main character, uh, through a series of circumstances is terrified in her father's house. He's in the hospital and she's there and she's going through the house with a knife uh, because she's something's wrong. And there's a terror demon that had been sent to torture her, you know? And um, so a friend of mine was reading this. Uh, she was, <laughs> she said her house alone in the dark sitting in a chair with a single light on and she was reading this stuff. I get really detailed, you know, <laughs> as, as Kathy, the, the, the character walks down the hall and she can't see the demon that's there and she walks right through it. 
and she feels the chill, you know, and it whispers into her, into her ear, you know, murder, rape, and, and she's getting, you know, all this stuff. And so, um, so, uh, my friend, Diane, she's passed away. She said that, uh, she was reading this particular scene next to a bookshelf. She's reading this totally engrossed and a book just fell whack right by her. She said she jumped out of this chair, was basically screaming. I just got <laughs> out of that. She was so into it. That's what happened. All right. So anyway, we've gone to more light topics, but I'm working on the second novel in the same vein. So and yeah. I'll be, I'm introducing a, uh, um, a black character and there's going to be an issue of prejudices from both, uh, the white and the black guy. And, but he's going to become a, a, uh, hero figure. I don't know why I want to do that, but I, that's because of the first novel. Something happened in the first novel. Like, oh, I got to put this in here to this one. And so that's what it kind of took it. That's what people say when you write these things. The characters, um, you have to argue with them sometimes. I, I, I invented you. Shut up. Sit down. I'm not sitting down. And uh, you have to put words in their mouth. And they go, no, I'm not doing that. And it's kind of weird, you know, because you know how the character is. Now, the character wouldn't say it that way. He wouldn't do it that way. And you kind of get a chuckle out of it because you're arguing with yourself. And so I don't know if that's healthy or not. But um, so that's what happened with the second novel is the first the first uh, novel had this issue in it, real brief. And I borrowed that. And that's because you know, and some stuff. And that's why it's, it, it's taking me a little bit extra work to work at all. OK, I'm, I'm wasting everybody's time. Sorry. Matt, I would love to play Dungeons and Dragons with you. <laughs> I never have. <laughs> You'd be amazing. So what kind of experiences have you had with uh, like uh, angelic beings? Um, you say you derive your angelology from experience. I'm curious on that. I haven't had any uh, that I know of okay. angel experiences, but I have most definitely had demonic ones. Okay. No, but I, um, if you want, I could describe stuff, but uh, my, my experiences uh you guys want what you want to talk about something else if you want i'll tell you what happened but whatever it's up to you guys because it'll take five minutes we do have rc apologists that came in go for um, it yeah okay. if you want to go ahead and speak sure um i did i did have like a, a question concern like something that i don't know why this is like something that's becoming a thing but it kind of bothered me and part of what inspired me at this point and working on a documentary about this partially. Um, but there was this, uh, group that I heard about called the red pill religion group. Um, and the, what I gathered from it is that the way they go about, uh, and most of these are people who claim to be Christians, even though they are mostly Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox. Um, they say the proper way to respond to atheism today like, you know, with the Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, and all these other kinds of stuff, to people that are inspired by that kind of um, generation is to, while being Christian, if you're truly, you know, going to be a follower of Christ, insult these people, cuss them out, uh, use profanities, mock them, insult them, pretty much described as doing what Richard Dawkins said at the Reason Rally once by saying mock them, ridicule them in public, even to the point of saying don't do business with them and all that kind of stuff. If they're atheists in your house, uh, kick them out and just, you know, don't ever let them back in unless they uh, do a, you know, follow back to the faith or something like that. I mean, this kind of idea, what do you think of people that are saying that we should be like insulting, antagonizing 
uh, to people and show no grace whatsoever. Um, I think there's actually some biblical precedents for that in the book of Second Moronicles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, don't know if I'm with you on this one, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but I set you up. You and did. you laughed. Oh, that's right. Well that's done. right. Well done. Yeah. Second Moronicles. Yes. And, uh, it's a big book, too. But uh, I go with it. <laughs> I mean, where do they get this? You know, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. It's probably says. from Second John and, you know. Um, but what that means in Second John, yeah. uh, I need to get into that group and start, you know, cracking some heads, you know, yeah. and uh, start saying, guys, you got to stop this because, mm-hmm. second, for example, Second John, you don't ask them in your house because they don't understand the culture. When there would be a village, say there's a hundred people in that village, and you know, five miles down the road, three miles down the road, there's another village, a hundred people, mm-hmm. and you know, they're sporadic villages and they're agrarian. Well, the villagers became very, very um, dependent upon one another. Yeah, they might have their problems and arguments, but you know, they were very much a community, and reputation was very important. Now, you know, I'll give you a very variation on this. Let me draw some memory. You know, the uh, thing where it says. Uh, where Jesus gives the account of the man who has a visitor coming late at night. So Mm -hmm. the man goes and he knocks on his neighbor's door and says, give me, I forget what it is. It's like a big loaf of bread. Bread. That's right. Bread to give to his, his friend, you know, and because of his persistence, the man gives it, but there's a variation. And this is a long time ago. I could look it up because I got the book behind me. Just going to find the exact reference. I could look it up. It take me a few minutes. But at any rate, there's a, a textual variant or some play on words about the word uh, persistence with uh, in Greek with the word shame. And it was really interesting because I'd never heard this before. But uh, you go to that village and there's a visitor goes to that village. He goes, knocks on someone's door. And in that village, if he's treated badly that he's going to go to someplace else and talk about that village. Their reputation was extremely important. Not like it is here because you don't like me. So what? I got friends 20 miles away. I got friends eight miles over that way. I got friends over here. That's not how it was there. You had to live in their community and your reputation of the community had economic value because if you were considered to be rude and not hospitable, people would avoid you. You didn't want that in that kind of a society. So reputation was extremely important. All right. So in the context of Second John, when someone would come to your home, uh, what normally would happen is uh, you're a traveler. You need a place to stay. You're, the reputation of that village is at stake. So you better invite him in and provide everything he needs for his journey. So you would feed them, clothe them, bathe them, whatever was necessary, because you were a, a, you were essentially approving of what he was doing by helping him that much. And what Second John is saying is don't even let him in the house when they're talking Antichrist stuff. You don't want to show them the kind of help that will encourage them or support them in their evil thing. That's what the context is. That's what it is. It's a long yeah. way to get around it. I didn't remember a lot of stuff, but yeah. That's what the problem is. They don't understand that. Right. Yeah, they get, there's a, on their YouTube channel, uh, they always give out the link to their Discord uh, that's open. That I think that's the only thing. But uh, I think they've been 
trying to be open about getting other guests. So I don't know. I mean, if you want to try to comment or try to get in way of contact with them, I mean, if you want to, if you say you want to try, would they cuss me out? Uh, I guess it would depend. Cause I mean, I was in there in the discord for a bit. All, all I mentioned was that there's, you know, justifications by faith alone and uh, sola scriptura. And I was met with all kinds of things. I was called a harasser. I'm, I'm a, According to them, I'm accused of being a demonically possessed stalker, and wow. uh, the, the guy who because found of it what? because I, you know, am critiquing these guys on like you know their stance of being ecumenical. Like they've allowed Muslims to, uh, they're mainly just trying to be an all theist thing, and they'll be willing to defend Islam even though they're supposedly Christians wow. on there. And yeah, I called them out on all this stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. I called them out on all their stuff and they are accusing me of like being a stalker harasser claiming that they're going to get a restraining order against me, even though they don't know where the heck I live or what my real name is. So it's, it, I guess it depends really. It's Bob. <laughs> okay. Oh uh, yeah. So they don't, they do not have all their paws in the litter box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cat jokes. I got them. Yeah, they'd like me. They'd kick me out of there in a, in a few minutes when I call them on the carpet. I say, mm-hmm. you are at, not acting like Christ. He called people whitewashed sepulchers of your father, the devil, but he did of the religious leaders. Mm-hmm. And he was making spiritual judgments upon them. Um, but, he, you know, the Bible says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. So they're to follow that unless they want to justify themselves being like Christ and, and equal to him and, their, and the ability to judge. You know, that would be really interesting to see if they could pull that off. I The closest I've heard was like, they go to Matthew 7, 6, I believe, where it's like talking about do not cast pearls before swines. Like yeah. swine is the same equivalent of saying you mother effer, apparently, according to them, which I don't know where they get that. But that's where they go to try to justify saying, well, he called people swine and dogs. That means we have the right to call them whatever we want. Well, you did call people some pretty uh, tough stuff. Swine was an unclean animal. Dogs was considered unclean uh, scavengers. So it was an insulting thing to call them to mm-hmm. call them that. Yeah. And it was, um, what are you going to do? That's what it was. Right. But would you say so, that's like on the same level as trying to just be derogatory and insulting to the point of like, you know, using the slang that they use? No, because in the context of when Christ was doing that, he's God in flesh, making judgments upon people. He has that ability to know and identify what they are. Mm. But these guys, they don't have that ability. Now, what they would have to do is go with Scripture in order Mm. to justify anything. But they're not going to be able to do that because the Scriptures don't support their position in that area. It would be an interesting discussion. I probably would not last very long in there because they would quickly find out that I'm um, as, you know, I'd be labeled like you, except probably worse. Yeah. So anyway, um, so much heresy, so little time, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's right. I need to start my own cult. No problem. <laughs> oh, Matt, sometimes, buddy. <laughs> no, really, I should start my own cult. Uh, but the thing is, it'd be full of orthodoxy. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so it's kind of pointless, you know? <laughs> Join the Matt Slick cult. Really? It's a cult? Yeah. What's he teach? The Trinity, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Really? How's it a cult? Well, um, he teaches us how to slap ourselves upside the head. That's a ritual. He says people don't have all their paws in a litter box. 
put put that in one of your books first. Let's let's try yeah. it out on uh, in fiction first before we apply it in real life. Try to, yeah, that, that, yeah, it could be dangerous here. So, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's, it'd be nice to be a cult leader. Maybe I could get stuff, you know. But I'd be like, no, don't give me that. I'll, let me help you. Dang, I would not be a good cult leader. That's the thing. <laughs> Crap. Mm. You know. You know, let me help you. What do you need? I'll help you out. You know, like, <sighs> oh, well. Anybody okay. else have any questions? <laughs> for Matt? Matt, what would what would be your Pope name? If you had to pope name? <laughs> oh, come on. Pope name. Slick. <laughs> yeah, like, you can like, you mean, can change pope, it. No. What would be your first name? Matt. I mean, it's <laughs> biblical. <laughs> you could change it. Uh, John. John pope. Slick. <laughs> or how about... Richard Slick, yeah. Dick Slick. No, that wasn't <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! This is a. <laughs> this is a hey, my dad's name was Richard. My brother's name is Richard. So, uh, there you go. But Pope, yeah, Pope Nope. <laughs> Not gonna dig yeah. any further. <laughs> well, oh man, you know, even the thought. Just the thought of seriously, you know, enter- yeah, entertaining different things in your mind sometimes, but the thought of, of teaching a false doctrine on purpose to try and get what I want is so repulsive, scary to me that I, I mean, the judgment of God would be like an axe waiting to fall. Do you believe uh, that some some of those leaders do it ignorantly or do you, yes. do you think that they do it? Uh, okay. We see here the question necessitates that kind of an answer. Do you believe some do it ignorantly? Okay, yeah, yeah of yeah. course. Uh, if you said all do it ignorantly, the answer would be yeah. no. So let me ask sure. you a question: If you jump high enough, can you touch the moon? <laughs> if you uh, jump yeah. high enough, guess you Listen, can. Otherwise, yeah, it's not yeah, high yes, enough. Yeah. Simple <laughs> logic question. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He has his paws in the logic litter box. Good. All right. So now what are we going to talk about? You and Kittler. What, uh, Kittler. Whatever happened, were you and Flowers supposed to do something else? I, I think Flowers, he's not pursued me anymore since our last discussion. I think he, I don't know, maybe he had enough. I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, he couldn't answer the difficult questions. And the last, uh, the last few minutes, I thought really... Uh, cornered him, you know, the compatibilism, free will issue that Jesus exemplified. Uh, I heard that they really were discussing that the next day or two or three, trying to come up with answers. And um, I haven't heard them. But if someone wanted to show me tell what they said, I could deal with it. But um, I thought it was really good. I, I didn't know. If he, anyway, so he's not, he's pursued me. Hey, what are we going to debate? What are we going to debate? Not anymore. So I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Um, I, I I forget what what he said um, in regards to you asking him about propitiation, and he really didn't he really didn't know what propitiation was. I was I was really shocked at that. You know, um, I mean, soteriology yeah. one hundred and one, and you don't know. Yeah, right. Propitiation. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Kind of and Colossians two fourteen, the time we met before, 
that stumped him too. For those who don't know what that verse, you know, uh, having canceled up a certificate of debt consisting of decrees, which was hostile to us, he took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So Jesus canceled the sin debt at the cross. Well, if you cancel it, you can't go to hell for a sin debt that's canceled. Who do you cancel it for? Everybody or not everybody? What do you do with that? And um, he did not do well in that response either. So he wanted to do the free will thing. And he didn't, in my opinion, did not do well in the free will thing either. You know, but uh, that's what I it was, is. I was thinking of something today uh, because usually how the argument is, you know, brought out is free will is the ability to do good or evil. You know, but if my question kind of would be for for Leighton or anyone else, if God restrains you, is is he taking away your free will? You know, if if, if you know, like Abimelech, you know, in Genesis 21, I believe, uh, you know, he he's uh, Abimelech says, you know, it's God that, you know, pretty much says, you know, made me not sin, you know. And so mm-hmm. how would I, I, I'm just curious how they would even see that, because if free will is true, it almost seemed like God could not do that. He, he could not, yeah. you know, restrain you from problem. Sin. They can't, you're right, they cannot answer these kinds of questions. Um, but here's, here's another one. Think about this, inspiration. Now, what I could do, I could unearth a file, and I could read to you guys some statistics and stuff out of the file. Let me see if I've got it real handy here. Um, yeah, is the Bible inspired? And, and let me show you something. I'm going to read some things. I'm gonna, I'll do it quickly. I'm not going to waste you guys' time. But the Bible's inspired. Now, if it's inspired, it means every detail comes from God. But yet, it's through the free will choices of individual people. So, how does that work? Well, check this out. Um, give you some statistics and some stuff here. Okay, let's get to it. I've got the file open. It's a thing I did at a conference in... Okay, here we go. The genealogy of Jesus in Matthew, the number, okay, everything is divisible by 72, or excuse me, by seven, okay? The number of words, the number of nouns, the word the, how many times it occurs, the different forms of the word the, the number of Greek words before the deportation, the number of of words, uh, of those those, uh, 49 words before the deportation, uh, the words that begin with a vowel. Uh, of those, the words that begin with a consonant, also by, by there's 21. These, all these numbers are divisible by seven. There's, uh, uh, of those 49 words, the number of the letters is 266. That's how many letters there are. Well, that's 38 by times seven. Of those 266 letters, the number of vowels is 140, 20 by times seven. Of those 266 letters, the number of consonants is 126, or 18 times seven. Uh, of those 49 words, number of words that occur more than once is 35, five times seven. Of those those words, the number of words that occur once is 14, two times seven. And it goes on like this. Um, the number that are nouns, the number of words which are not nouns, the number of nouns that are proper names, the number of male names, the number of times that the male names occur. The one city Babylon is mentioned, it's, it's gematria is, uh, is seven, divisible by seven. So it's by everything's by seven, it, by divisible by seven, all these patterns. You can't do this. By sitting down on a piece of paper with a calculator and Excel spreadsheet and trying to figure this out and write out a genealogy with a total number of words 
is 72. The number of nouns is 56, which is 8 times 7. The number of Greek words, the, is divisible by 7. All these are divisible by 7. Okay, now what I'm trying to show is this is just not something a human being could just think up. It can't happen. You could write a paragraph with 72 words. That's not a problem. But then you have to have the nouns in that paragraph be divisible by 7. Then the word the that occurs has a, a, a total divisible by 7. Um, uh, the total number of letters have to be divisible by seven. The words that start with a vowel divisible by seven. The words that start with a, a consonant divisible by seven. The, the number of syllables divisible by seven. And you can see after a while, it's going to be basically impossible. And I tried it. I actually tried doing this a few weeks ago. And I got stuck within, I think, 10 minutes. It was done. I could not make it work. The mathematics behind this is just incredible. All right, now I'm trying to prove that these very words in the genealogy are inspired and are in order specifically. Now, how do you have that in pure libertarian free will? There has to be an influence of God upon the free will that moves the person to write exactly what is necessary in order for this to make sense and be what it is. But the people of their own selves could not do it. It was not possible. It had to be God's influence on them. But how does he do that in pure libertarianism? This is another confirmation of compatibilism. God's determination with man's freedom. God can determine that they write these things because there's no other way it could be done. This proves another way of compatibilism, which I want to talk to him at a time stuff. Anyway, you see what I'm saying? Says Matt to himself now. No one's listening. I don't, you don't care. I guess I'm just oh, rambling. Oh, that's right. There's, I heard a snoring. <laughs> I heard that snoring. But you, you see what I'm saying? I'm 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 actually reading the gene genealogy right now. So good. Yeah. And get this, Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. This is. Just, I'm assuming this is the Greek, right? Like obviously the sevens are in yeah. the Greek. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Check this out. The birth of Jesus, the number of words is 161, which is 23 times 7. So, again, each one of these, the number of, the total is divisible by 7. So the number of words, the number of letters, uh, let's see, the 161 words occur in 105 forms, which is 15 times 7. Of the 105 forms, the number of verbs is 35, which is divisible by 7. The gematria, the gematria is, I don't know if you guys know, but A, B, C, 1, 2, 3. We have two letters, two sets of characters for numbers and letters. In Greek, they only have one set for both. So when you write a letter, you're also writing a number. So every time you write a word in Greek, you also have a numeric value. Like the word for fish in Greek is ichthus, and its value mathematically is 1,224. And Jesus Christos, Jesus Christ, is added up to 888. So it's called a gematria. At any rate, so uh, the gematria, the value of those words, is divisible by 7 exactly. The gematria of the value of all the letters is also divisible by 7. Six Greek words are found uh, nowhere in that genealogy, nowhere else in the Bible. And their gematria, divisible by 7. The total letters... The total letters of those six words, divisible by seven. The number of proper names is by seven. The number of these letters uh, 
in those seven names. Uh, Emmanuel occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. It's Gematria, divisible by seven. But speaking to Joseph, the number of words the angel uses is divisible by seven. And the Gematria of those words is divisible by seven. This is not an accident. This is the inspired word of God. There's no way they could do that on their own. It had to be directed by God that are free will so that they did what God ordained for them to do. Libertarianism, here's the, this, the uh, proper theological terminology to describe uh, liber libertarianism. It sucks canal water. <laughs> you guys know. It does not work. How do you explain this? They're just good so, guessers? I, uh, I'm pretty sure that's just the um, understanding of how inspiration works in terms of uh, um, wow, verbal plenary. Right. Well, then they would have to say if it's if it's a dictation, okay? Yeah. Then that violates a free will. Sure. They're just okay. If it's an inspiration through their free will, then there's no there has Yeah. That's right. If it's dynamic, there's no there's no use for God. Like there's no in, in terms of uh it you could chalk it up to the person's experience, like there's no real they're just writing what they think. If it's if it's purely dynamic. Yeah, it's not, but it, it's but not they, coming from the Holy Spirit at that point. Yeah, exactly right. But you, they, if that's the case, you can't account for these uh, mathematical things inside the the letters. Yeah, that's what you I'm saying. Can. Like verbal yeah. plenary inspiration seems to be the way to go because you have yeah. you have a the personal uh, style of yep. the individual writer. You have the you know all of his little quirks, all of his little ways of all of his sayings and um, yep. you know, different ways to express things. Yet you have the spirit of God. Um, almost just like it's, I love the way Timothy puts it. It's, it's, it's as if it's just breathed out, right? Like it's yep. starts with God through the author. And you can kind of see that in your mind, you know, like That's right. there's this, there's this beautiful interplay of uh, compatibility that happens there where yeah. the Holy Spirit, uh, Everything that the Holy Spirit intends to put on paper is breathed out through the human author. Amen. And how do you have that if it's pure libertarianism? Because in libertarianism, what libertarianism is, is actually anti-compatibilism. Compatibilism is the biblical position because it means God's sovereign even over our free wills and can direct our free wills. and yet not violate our free will. So there's some issues that I could talk about sometime. How would you test that too? Like you, it, it would just be scripture pretty much. Like, no, I'm saying like, if, if you wanted to hold to a purely libertarian author, uh, of oh. inspiration, because at that point it's like, well, uh, he guessed really well. Uh, we, yeah. We think that this is what God <laughs> says. Yeah. Like well, they would no, have to come up with something to say, well, there's a, trust a prophet, right? Like why, why do we trust a prophet? Why? Because they're inspired. What, but what does that mean if the, if it's not? That's exactly the right question. Some sort of um, tangible inspiration on the person themselves uh, right. from God. It, it would because it would just result in you know the bunch of guessing. I guess. Yes, I don't I, know. I'm with you. Hey, I'd like um, to know how they would account for that. That'd be a good 
good discussion yeah. to have with them. But how do you yeah. test it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, David, I need to um, yeah, interfere and just become a tech. Yeah. Uh, techie right now. Yeah, whatever um, you need to do. Yeah, the people in the uh, the the YouTube group are seeing only your image. Wow. So and people are saying, I want to see Matt's beautiful face, and I'm like, well, I, don't well, know, I, I know that's that's someone lying. <laughs> what what do I need to do? Uh, well, you know, I the only thing I think of is is your name on the bottom, right? Do okay. you have a, a white highlighted box around your your name? No. no. Yeah, I see it. He does. Let me click on uh, Chris. Oh my! Oh, there he is. That's right. Yeah, that was scary. It just okay. caught me off guard. Now let's see if that helps. If that changes. And I'm clicking on it. Maybe um, okay. I'm okay. Maybe it does yep, something. Yep. Yep. There, there you go. So Chris is on right now. Okay. Yeah. I think Matt so, is in charge of the of the hangout. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, then let's get so, a pretty girl on there. Why did they look at us? We look like we've been right. mauled by a pack right, of dogs. So, so click on. Hey, speak for yourself, Matt. Click on seeking. <laughs> Corn-fed Nebraskan is a beautiful piece of meat. <laughs> oh, boy. This is gone off the rails. Um, <laughs> yeah, it went off pretty anyway, badly. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, I just wanted to see if fix that. Okay, guys, I'm sorry. Go ahead and uh, continue on with your little happy little discussion there <laughs> yeah um i was having this i think i was having this discussion with john yes with john the other day uh who uh, i think you've met before john johnson ironic pelagian oh great yeah and we uh, had this we we rehashed an old uh discussion about inspiration and it it went in the same vein he I had to explain the the terms and like what does it mean that the Bible is inspired? What is what does that verse in Timothy mean? Um, and through his explanation, uh, we landed on that he holds to somewhat of a dynamic theory, and uh, and that's because he wants to so tightly hold to um, God pretty much staying out of the affairs of. Uh, man in terms of choice but at the same time holds very much to a doctrine of providence so i don't i don't know how those two are i wish he was in here um i don't know how you can i would be interested on how a libertarian free will expositor um justify or harmonizes providence and uh, I guess what contracausal free choice? Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, I had that discussion with him too. Yeah, but I guess um, is it like with our like what if what if do we get the chance to say God, you can't do that? <laughs> I mean, just the thought of saying that to God. I but like you would have to come up with some sort of. I don't know, like maybe he limits himself in um, Molinism somehow, you know, by choosing that uh, world to actuate, I guess, is, is like an action of limiting. I, I don't know how how you can be providential in the affairs of man yet. Right. Because it, 
it ultimately it just sounds like deism to me you know um here let me create all this stuff and good luck to you guys yeah I'll, i agree it's problematic in the in the afterlife yeah get somebody in like that and we can have a discussion with them and see what happens i, I think it'd be worth it. doing yeah so yep. Okay, that was fun. Now what? <laughs> Man, I'm going to try to get him in here. I, I, I really want to hear his justification of dynamic theory again. Perfect. Whatever uh, you got going on on the uh, the video, just don't don't mess with it because it's, no, it's, it's working. working now. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, I don't cool. know what I did. I uh, yeah. went exploring a little bit, so in all the controls, I, I don't know. All right. So I invited a bunch of atheists on Discord, and <laughs> all they gave me was a link to their discussion group. And I was like, no, no, I don't want to be on there. So <laughs> hey, I go in their discussion groups. I'll go in there and have some discussions. <laughs> yeah, it's on Discord. So uh, maybe I'll give you a link. Yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. They're going to actually have a discussion. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, they call themselves the uh, Atheist Hotline. <laughs> atheist hotline I, yeah i thought it's pretty funny yeah i gotta go to atheist hotline for help help it's for a what number it's a one yeah. 900 number <laughs> oh. that's how they make their that's money a, that's what i need i need a 900 number so that people can talk to me hi are you mad slick why don't you tell me something hypostatic union I'm giving them theology terms. Credit card number first, please. Yeah, credit card number first, and then I can talk sexually to them. Hypostatic. Communicata metiamatum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they go, hey, this is bad. Yeah, I know. This is weird. Yeah. yeah that's weird. right. <laughs> um, so we got um, Seeking that came in. Seeking the... My vision is so terrible, mm -hmm. I can't even read that. Anyway, seeking a narrow way. Anyway, she um she hopped in. I don't know if she's willing to speak up or ask a question, but yeah. uh, go ahead and unmute your mic if you want to, seeking, and see what uh, keep it good. Hello. Hi. Hello. Um, I had some questions about revelations, and I know that's kind of off what you guys were sure. talking about. Um, but give me one moment to find the scripture again. I'm not a revelation expert, so by any means, so I don't know if I can help, but maybe um, we can all do it together. I caught your radio show a couple of days ago, or it might have been yesterday, I don't remember, but you were talking about um, how the um, evil people were going to be taken first. That's what the Bible says. Um, and yeah, I remember this scripture. It's uh, Revelation 14, starting at verse 14. Um, and it's talking about reaping the earth's harvest. Mm -hmm. And the way it reads, it sounds like um, the saints are harvested first. Because the first um, angel uses their, their sickle. And then the second one, when the second angel uses the sickle, uh, it talks about God's wrath uh, being poured down, poured down on them. Ooh, so the order out. of that. Angel, let's see, look at a white cloud. Okay. Another angel came out of the temple crying out 
with a loud voice to him and said on the, on the cloud, put in your sickle and reap. For the hour to reap has come because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Put in your sickle to reap and reap. Verse 16, and he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel, the one who has power over fire, came out from the altar and called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, because her grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the cluster from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great winepress, which was the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horses' bridles for a distance of 200 miles. Actually, it looks like it's kind of consistent with what I was saying earlier um, in that they are gathered to Armageddon. That's what it looks like out of 19 and 20, because out of there, the blood. It says they're gathered, put a uh, sharp signal, gathered a cluster from the vine of the earth, because that's the wicked. And so it says, uh, verse 15, put in your sickle, reap for the hour because the harvest is ripe. Then he who sat in the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the earth was reaped. Another angel came out. But but what is the reaping? Um, if I were doing a study on this to teach it, I would have to, right? I would make, what I do is I take the verses, I put them in an outline form on Word. And, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18. And then I analyze and I indent and I put comments, questions, and issues under each thing. I really get into it. And one of the things I would ask, which, you know, try and find the answer is uh, who or what is reaped? You know, because one of the things I've learned about eschatology is don't make any assumptions. It kind of seems as though the implication might be the rapture, but doesn't mean that it is. It could be, but not necessarily. Then it says the harvest of the earth. So what I would do is say, well, what's the harvest of the earth? And so I would look at that because the word harvest is used, and that would force me to go look at the word harvest uh, in eschatological contexts and see how it's learned, how it's used. And I would expect, this is what I do. I, I do this just like I'm telling you. I'll do this, and I'll learn as I go. And I go, I don't know what I'm going to find. I'm going to find something. Uh -huh. um, but then he's, so I'm trying to figure it out as I go here, and, and I'm not sure what to tell you. Then he who sat in the clouds swung a sickle over the earth, and earth was reaped. And another angel came out, temples in heaven, sharp sickle. And another one, power fire came out, sharp sickle, close to the fire. Now, here's a question. <clears throat> Does the word reaping and harvesting occur in this second set? And it says another angel, sharp sickle. And grapes are ripe, gathered, but it doesn't say harvested or reaped. So that would make me look at the both the harvesting and the reaping eschatologically to see if it only occurs in reference to the Christians. You see what I'm saying? I do, I do. So long story short, I don't know what it means. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but it's interesting. And I'm actually curious to know how the word harvest would be used. So what I'll do, what I would normally do is just go to Matthew, type in harvest for a search. 
find the first word harvest. And then what I do is really simple. I find the Greek word 2326. I have it all set up here. And then Oops, come on. Come on, you slime ball. Ah, uh, two, three, two, six. It occurs, ooh, interesting. That's interesting. Wow. The word harvest occurs 13 times. Why am I saying that's interesting? Does anybody know? <laughs> we don't know how your brain works, Matt. So, yeah, go ahead. 13 is divisible by seven. <laughs> Seven is the I will of tell God. you why. I'll <laughs> tell you why, okay? Um, years ago when I did research, and I started studying uh, numerology. Now, the gematria, okay, let me review. Gematria is, um, we have in English, A, B, C, 1, 2, 3. Two different sets of characters for alpha and numeric. In Greek, they don't have that. They have one set. In Hebrew, they don't have it. They have it one set. Yeah, so yeah. both Hebrew and Greek, the same letters are used for writing words as well as numbers. So every word in the entire Bible in Hebrew and Greek has mathematical values and equivalents. Now, I, I don't know how to verify this because I'm not good enough at Hebrew to be able to do this, but I'd read in some books. So I got lots of books. See my books up there, folks? Look, see how many books I got? See all that? There's that's just some of them, okay? Um, and I got some books up there that talk about this kind of stuff. And years ago, I read that whenever in the Old Testament there were pericopes about Satan, and it gave two or three instances. A pericope is a section of scripture talking about Satan. The gematria values total is always divisible by thirteen. So 13 is the number of sin. So I think it's fascinating to me. There's 13 occurrences of the word harvest in the Bible. I would have thought 14 or 12 because 14 is two times seven. Now I'm kind of given my, my, you know, some stuff that I I've searched over the years that kind of caused me to think things like this. So, Three is the number of the Trinity. Five is the number of grace. Six is the number of man. And that's because man was made on the sixth day. What's the name of the anti? What's the, well, the gematria of the Antichrist is 666. 666, yep. Now notice, he's going to be a man. And the Trinity, here, I'll, I'll go, with, I'll tell you guys some stuff. Okay, here we go. Uh, getting into it. I may have to uh, type some stuff in. I wonder if I could do it this way. I'll tell you what, I'll share my screen and um, I'll type some stuff in. All right. You guys want to do this? A little interesting? Go ahead. We also stuff. got like three other people that joined in. So let's, oh, okay. Uh, Never mind. Yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Because I could teach about this kind of thing and show you some mathematical relationships that are really there. But if people have got. Matt, questions... why don't we just make it a night? Yeah, we should just take it out <clears throat> We need to, because anytime you get into a big topic like this, you can't do it justice okay. by, you know, Let's 10 do it. minutes. You know what I'm saying? Let's yeah. do it. We'll do yeah. a super show on that. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Really get into you. it, yeah. All right, that'd be good. That's a good idea. That'd be great. I wasn't paying attention. I kind of get lost in my thinking process, and one thing connects yeah. to another. So it's no all, um, 
it's all uh, seeking the narrow path fault. It's her fault, not mine. She just triggered it. Okay, I think we have a, a Roman Catholic that's going to come in here. We got the uh, holy, most, uh, most holy something, something, something of the family. Anyway, she, she uh, just asked her, you a question. Why is Matt afraid to accept my one and <laughs> one-on-one debate challenge? So, most holy, I just went ahead and unmuted you or um or got you in the show here. So, go ahead and uh, speak up and ask Matt. Hello. I guess he's yeah, afraid to debate me right now. I guess so. Yeah, he's not he's afraid, afraid to say. Yeah. Well. Hello. He did, he did leave a phone number and an email address. Oh, so. brother. Okay. Well, then I'm going to boot him out. Uh, who is this guy? I I don't know. Who is he? Yeah. Speak up and debate what? It's on the side chat there. I don't, it says, uh, "Why is Matt afraid to accept my one-on-one debate challenge?" Well, first of all. Who says I'm afraid? So he's begging the question. He's assuming a thing yeah. he's trying to prove. And ready to debate. Now, who is this guy? And debate yeah. on what? So it's like, he's uh, here. I don't know why he floor, won't speak up. The floor yeah. is yours, man. Hello. Do you think he's is afraid? He unmuted? No, I, is, he might be muted. Okay. He's No, he's not muted. No, he just left. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're well. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next guy, we have Jay. Jay, go ahead, and you're in the broadcast here. I want to go ahead and have you in. So go ahead and feel free to unmute your mic and prepare the battle. <laughs> oh, what are you, oh wait, I, I just joined in off a of link. So. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Jay, well, I mean, if you have any questions for Matt, that'd be great. But if not, uh, yeah, you can just uh, hang out and listen if you want. But we also uh, have a YouTube. Let's see. Can we ask questions about scripture or anything? Like, yeah, we can. This is Apologetics Live, so you can just All right, okay. Um, Whatever you need to, man. <clears throat> okay, so uh, my question is about the divine council, and I want to okay. know... What would your uh, opinion be about that? Um, does sure. the Bible acknowledge uh, many gods or does it deny many gods? Is God the most high or is he, you know, um, or is he, you know, like, um, or just only one God, meaning that, you know, strictly what, I guess, uh, theologians of the old times and believers in the old times, I guess, um, you know, in the fifth century, sixth century above, you know, pretty much subscribe to a monotheistic religion, which people most likely know as uh, belief in one God and no other gods. Uh, so, um, so referencing specifically for everyone that wants to know Psalms 82, uh, another one is the, uh, well, hold on. let, you're, you're giving me a lot of stuff here. So okay. let me, uh, let me let me address uh, monotheism first, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to read some scriptures. Isaiah 43:10. You are my witnesses, declares Yahweh, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe, and understand that I am He. Before me there was no God formed; there will be none after me. I, even I, am Yahweh, and there is no Savior besides me. That's Isaiah 43:10. Now I'm going to go to Isaiah 40. Four six. Thus says Yahweh, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord, the uh, Yahweh of hosts. I am the first. I am the last. And there is no God beside me. 
He says, there's no God besides me. Uh, this is Isaiah 44, 8. Do not tremble and do not be afraid. Have I not long since announced it to you and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? Or is there any other rock? I know of none. That's what God says. He doesn't even know of any others. There's none. Let's go to Isaiah 45, 5. I am Yahweh and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. So when we go to Psalm 82, verse 6, what we're seeing here in Psalm 82 in particular is an imprecatory psalm. And we can go to that and we can read. It's a very short psalm. And all I got to do is read it and you can check it out and understand what's going on there. And um, this counsel to God's things is nothing more than a cleverly disguised paganism trying to infiltrate into the church. Now, this is what Psalm 82 says. God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers. Now, the Hebrew word here is Elohim. Oh, wait a minute. The word Elohim automatically means God, right? No, it doesn't. Because it can mean all kinds of things. Just like the word agape. A lot of people think the word agape means divine love. It does not, because in uh, Luke eleven forty three, I believe it is, uh, Jesus says, you agape, your high seats, talking to the Pharisees. Words mean what they mean in context, and that's the point. And so what we have here <coughs> is an imprecatory song, a psalm against the unrighteous judges. That's his historical context. God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers, as uh, the NASB says. Uh, the ESV. Come on, ESV. Uh, says, uh, in the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. So what we could see is that God recognizes, and I'll, here, I'll, go, I'll do this, uh, Galatians 4, 8. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. So the Bible recognizes other gods existence but they're not really gods but they call them god but they're not they don't have any existence however at that time when you did not know god you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods they had other gods that they served maybe a council of the gods maybe it was zeus maybe it was whatever but it says which by nature are no gods so in one part, what's happening is in the idea of gods, yeah, there was a plethora of gods, a pantheon of gods in various cultures and things like that, but they didn't have any ontological actuality. And so what would happen is that God would sometimes speak, among all the gods, I'm the greatest, because of all those gods, and he's not saying that they actually exist, because we know from the New Testament revelation, Galatians 4, 8, they do not exist. They don't. Back to Psalm 82. God takes a stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? This can't be God's in any way, shape, or form because he's talking about the people there who are judging unjustly. He's talking about the individuals. He's not talking about some God's uh, the ethereal thing because Galatians 4, 8 says there aren't any. Verse 3 of 80, Psalm 82, vindicate the weak and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. He's talking about the unrighteous judges on earth and how they should be doing what he's saying that they should be doing. Vindicate the weak, etc. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, and all of you are sons of the Most High. Nevertheless, you will die like men. 
and fall like any one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for it is you who possesses all the nations. So that's the whole Psalm, Psalm 82. So nevertheless, you will die like men and fall like any one of the princes. Now, wait a minute. If there are gods out there, some council of the gods, how can they die like men? Men are biological. Gods are not. How do they die like men? They can't. So it is, you know, to say that Psalm 82 in any way supports this council of the gods' idiocy is ridiculous. First of all, Isaiah 43, 10, 44, 6, 44, 8, Isaiah 45:5 it, along with Galatians 4, 8, clearly refutes it. And the context of Psalm 82 is not about some council any place anywhere out there. It's talking about the unrighteous judges, as is clearly contextually warranted. Okay. All right. So, um, okay. okay. So that makes sense. Um, I wouldn't um, disagree with you on that, I guess. Whoa, 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 whoa. You disagree. You mean there are actually other gods out there? No, he no, said he I would not. Said, oh, it would not. Okay. Sorry. Misunderstood you. My apologies, <laughs> man. I was going to jump all over that like a monkey in a cupcake. <laughs> okay. So, I would. So, okay. That's an so, image. Can you speak up? I'm having trouble hearing you. I'm sorry. Can you hear me a little bit better now? A little bit better. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right. So, um, all right. Uh, so I guess I've been misled a little bit because yes, what? <laughs> of course. Uh, so, um, because I know in the Old Testament how it doesn't necessarily like. Uh, well, I'm talking about more so in Deut- Deuteronomy, more so because how I've seen it. Uh, breaking down was pretty much off of Deuteronomy, most likely, and that's what they allude to around that. So, um, if like, and then I've also heard like, yeah, but what what verses? And you um, see that what they're doing. You can understand something. Here's a principle. There's it's a short principle, and it, but it's a really important one. Um, when groups, so to speak, I'm not saying this group is doing this, but when people spend more time in the Old Testament to prove doctrine than the New Testament. That's a problem because the thing is the old Testament is certainly inspired and it's very valuable, but it is the new Testament that interprets the old Testament. It's never the old Testament that interprets the new Testament. That's right. The new Testament writers will quote the old Testament and say, this is what is meant by the prophet, blah, 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 blah. And they'll, right. they'll tell you what it means. So when someone is in the old Testament a lot, well, the Deuteronomy says, and then these verses, and then the council of the gods, the Psalm and blah, blah, blah. That's how can we know about this? Well, Go to Saul, go to Galatians four eight. There's only one God, and those other ones by nature are not true gods. So, what do you want to do now? You know, they don't want to submit themselves to the New Testament because they have an agenda. The agenda is not Scripture and Revelation. The agenda is a concept they want the Scriptures to fit. That typically is what happens when those people are in the Old Testament more than the New Testament in order to establish doctrines. Not always, but pretty typical. Okay, go ahead. That was my point. Okay, yeah, and so, um, okay, there's an example here. Uh, uh, What's up, RC? Uh, But anyway, um, so, uh, let's see, there's an example. Um, Deuteronomy 7-1? No, 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 uh, no. It's, uh, you said said Deuteronomy 7-1, or did you say? Uh, I was thinking of a different verse. It wasn't Deuteronomy 7-1. It was another one. Sorry, go ahead. All right. 17-1, I think. Okay, hold on for a second. That's not it either. Dang it. 
Oh, that yeah, that's something different. Anyway, I got a lot of verses in my head. I mix them, mix them up sometimes accidentally. You're slipping, Matt. <laughs> hey, I'm. I'll be 62 Jay, are in you a month. Of... I'm up there. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Jay, are you thinking about the the passage in Matthew where um, Jesus addresses the Pharisees and calls them gods? It's in Matthew, and it's also in John 10, um, yeah. verse 34 through 35. There you go, John 10. Yep. Let's do yeah. all that. That's um, easy. Mm-hmm. And so and the reason why, and what's what's unique about that scripture is, is that, God, like, he is likening um, himself to uh, the Pharisees that he's talking to. So that's what interests me, interests me, because... Obviously, they thought it was blasphemy. You know what I mean? But like. Talk about John 10, 30 through 34? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me let me offer an explanation of what's going on there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, the Jews pick up stones again to stone him. That's verse 31. So where's the first mention or is the prior mention of them wanting to kill him? John 8, 58 and following. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore, they pick up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. That was John eight fifty nine. Now what we do is we go to John ten thirty. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. So from John eight fifty nine to John ten thirty one, there's but in between those verses, there's no mention of stoning rocks or anything. This is it. So what is happening is when he says, I and the father are one, they want to kill him. What do they want to kill him for? He's going to ask him. Jesus says, I've shown you many good works from the father. For which of these are you stoning me? The Jews answered for a good work. We do not stone you, but blasphemy because you being a man, make yourself out to be God. Now, what I'll often do with this pericope is I'll say, what was it that Jesus said? And show me the verse. I'll say, what was it that Jesus said that caused the Pharisees to think he was claiming to be God? It's really an interesting question. It's a little bit of a side note for those people listening. Because you're talking to Jehovah's Witnesses. You're talking to Christadelphians. You're talking to others who deny the deity of Christ. Arian variants. And this really becomes a good apologetic because if they don't understand where it was that Jesus said what he said to make the Pharisees think he's claiming to be God, then the people don't understand the text. And I can tell you where the verses are, John 8, 58 and John 10, 30. Because he's claiming to be the I am and the identity with the Father. I and the Father are one. Okay, he's claiming this. Um, it could be a reference out of out of uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. And there probably were some puns and some things about that going on but at the time. But nevertheless, they want to kill him because he's claiming to make himself out to be God. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, so the Pharisees did not believe he was God. So I asked the J-Dubs, do you agree with the Pharisees that he's not God? Now we have another discussion. Nevertheless, Jesus answered them, has it not been written in your law? I said, you are God's. Notice he says, your law. He doesn't say the law. He doesn't say God's law. He says, your law. He's talking to the Pharisees, these Jews, who are hypocritical, and they want to kill Jesus. They're denying who he is, and they, of course, are unrighteous, just like Psalm 82 judges are. They're not doing what's right by God's standard. They know what Psalm 82 is. 
they know that Psalm 82 is an imprecatory psalm. An imprecatory psalm, an imprecation is a statement where you wish harm, excuse me, where you wish harm on somebody to imprecate. I wish you would just break both your legs tomorrow when you go out skiing. You know, I hate your guts. It's an imprecation. So it's called an imprecatory psalm, and there's several imprecatory psalms where basically the psalm says, God, get them. So they know Psalm 82 is an imprecatory psalm because it says, I said, ye are gods, or you are gods. He's quoting Psalm 82, 6. Now, what he's, he's being really <clears throat> slick here. And what's happening is he's quoting an imprecatory psalm where God is mocking, so to speak, and condemning the unrighteous judges. And he's quoting it in reference to them when he says, your law. He's applying it to them. And then he says, if he called them gods, talking about God called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture can't be broken, it's always true. Do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent to the world, you are blasphemy because I said I'm the son of God? It is very well packed in there. He's asking a huge set of questions here. He says, you're saying that I'm blaspheming. Notice what he says. Um, did, did you say of him, that's, that's the Jews saying of Jesus, whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world. So you say of Jesus, you Jews say of Jesus, that Jesus is blaspheming. Because, and then Jesus says about himself, I am because I am the Son of God. Now, in John 5.18, God it says Jesus was calling God his own Father, making himself equal to God. He said he's the son of God, but there's terminology in the Old Testament, sons of God, because sons of the gods could be angels. And so he's he what he's doing is referencing something that they can't just sit there easily and give a yes, no to. Because he says, because what he's doing here, back to verse 34, your gods, he's quoting an imprecatory psalm about unrighteous judges, and they know there aren't any other gods. That's clear. And he's applying it to the Jesus is applying it here to the present situation. That alone should piss them off. Then he reasons, but God's calling them gods, because that's the word in Hebrew, Elohim, because those unrighteous rulers, because they have that place in the power of God, which he's implying is that their position as they're leading others astray. But the scriptures can't be broken. He called them gods, and I'm the same, the son of God, and you're complaining about me? Why is that a problem with you? You see how clever Christ was with that? What are they going to do? They're going to start saying, well, we get to argue scripture now, because that's what he's doing. He's bringing up the word of God, and now they got to argue with the word of God before, in order to justify their actions. Make sense? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, going back to um, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, it's 32 verse 8. That's, one, that's the original one I was talking about. Okay. And two, eight. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance and he separated the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. Okay? Yeah, or or you could say, well, and another version would also say sons of God. So, like, my only question is, and this is not like a gotcha question or nothing like that at all. It's like, okay. well, who do you think the sons of God are? That That's all. I just want to know that. Like, who do you think? That is, or who who is that represents? Is it angels or what, whatever? You know what I mean. So I would have to do a word study on it and see. 
Okay, that's fine. Okay. Um, ser seriously, I would. It says in Hebrews, Beni uh, Yisrael. Uh, I'm looking at the interlinear folks, so don't think I'm reading the Hebrew. I'm going to learn it, read it again, though. But um, so uh, sons of uh, yeah, Israel. I can still read Hebrew. How about that? So that's what it says, sons of Israel, in there. But some manuscripts, my note says, compare Dead Sea Scrolls, Septuagint, Masoretic texts, sons of Israel. So I'd have to do a study on it to see what's going on and see what the Septuagint says, because I'd have to do that in the Masoretic text and then compare them. But at any rate, even if it says sons of God, what is meant by it? Because the term, so I go back to Genesis, and control F. Oh, I'll do, I'll do it this way. This Bible program's awesome. So I'm going to do is type in sons of God. And it occurs 53 times. The sons of God saw the daughters of men were beautiful. They took them for wives. It appears that the sons of God there are fallen angels. The Nephilim, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men. Genesis. Well, that's interesting. How about that? I love the Bible. It is awesome. So I, that was Genesis 6-2 and 6-4. The next time the term sons of God occurs isn't until Job 1-6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came among them. Now, does that mean that it was all the angels, bad and good? I'd have to check it out. Or is it only in reference to the bad? That Those are the questions you'd have to ask. The next reference is 2-1 of Job. The sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Okay. And Job 38, 7, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That would seem to be the angelic realm on the good side. And then, at the son of God, and the next sons of God is Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for these shall be called sons of God. And the next sons of God, almost done. Oh, there we go. Luke 20, 36, they cannot die anymore because they're like angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. And I'm going to take this opportunity to teach you guys something as far as studying goes. There's another one. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Uh, anxious for long, long in creation, which eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. So what I'm doing is looking for the sons of God, Galatians 3, 26. Be all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And I think that's the last plural sons of God. Yeah, that's it. So what I would do is take the terms. If, if I were to answer the, your question in Deuteronomy mm -hmm. 32.8, I would go and do a study on the phrase sons of God and see how God uses it in the entire Bible. And there's 20 or so. Of where it's plural, sons of God, not just son of God. And we can see that it seems to be of angels. It seems to be of fallen angels. It seems to be of people, and it seems to be of Christians. Okay. Now, oh, so we've got to be careful. We don't want to commit what's called illegitimate totality transfer. And what that means is that a word has a variety of meanings. It's, got, it's a semantic domain. has a variety of meanings. And we don't want to take the, the meaning in one context and transfer it to another context. It's called illegitimate totality transfer. And so we don't want to say that in Deuteronomy 32.8 that the term sons of God means Christians. 
because it wouldn't make sense there. So we have to look at it in its own context, but we can see how God uses it. As I just did a really quick cursory study, we can find out that the term sons of God occurs so many times in the Bible, has different reference meanings. And so it may or may not help us when we come to this passage to see if there's any contextualization over the overall usage that would uh, shed light on this. In other words, it's a big study. You know, okay. uh, <clears throat> can I say something real quick? Or? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, uh, by the way, thank you for clearing that up. I really appreciate that. Um, it's, uh, I don't, when I listen to people talk about different biblical scriptures, I like to ask people like, you know, from multiple, uh, viewpoints before I ever come to like a decision on Good. what I believe. So, you know, so this is what, nothing to attack or anything, but uh, I wanted to make a few, uh, points. Um, one of them is uh basically i feel like i got caught up on the semantics of what besides me mean so the way i see it i'm a semantic person i love definitions i love to figure out things and to understand stand it in a way where you know like okay if we look at this uh, definition how could we look at this context and you know and draw a conclusion from this right so to at first would it seem to be uh for me when it says no other gods beside me that meant that you know nobody on my level you know that's how i kind of um mm-hmm. you know interpreted it but well how about this so, isaiah 47 8 i am and there is no one besides me yeah isaiah 47 10 i am and there is no one besides me yeah that's and that's what i said i, I think yeah. that that definitely denies all possibilities of any other God exist. That's right. Um, but when he says, I don't even I like know it. of any others, that should clarify it. I don't even know of any others. Okay. Got you. See, and that's, and that's, that's a very wise. Now my denier, my personal one, when I was talking to somebody, an individual, he didn't really have a response, but I, uh, if we can jump into second Kings five really quickly, it's the uh, story of Naaman who had leprosy. Okay. Um, it begins at eight. And um, and I think it ends around 13. And um, I'll just read the uh, the key verse real quick because so, I don't want to read the whole thing and take up you all time. Um, but it is 2 Kings 5 and it starts at 8. Um, um, here we go. King Turing is closed. Uh, it's 15. It's 15. It says, then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, now I know there, that there is no God in all the world except Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. So that's him confessing after being healed from leprosy and having a little bit of a disagreement with Elisha or whatever of um, um, uh, the prophet of God. And when he had that disagreement and then someone, I think, counseled him or advised him to go ahead and do it. And so that was my other denier. But thanks for showing me 4310. And you clarified anything. And if you want to continue to you know, expand on that, that's, you're welcome to. But I, I really appreciate it. I'll look into that, too, by the way. <clears throat> All right. Sounds good, man. We got um, the Catholic back again, if he wants to speak. The set of a what Catholic? Peter Diamond or whatever the other Diamond Brother thing is. Most holy word. family monastery. I've heard, I keep getting told that I need to debate this guy by uh, some furry Catholics, if you can believe that. Furry. 
Anyway, if you're on, now's your time to talk. <laughs> you're on, man. Yep, you're on. Floor is yours. You can speak. Hello. Which one's the Catholic? Uh, uh, he goes by Most Holy Family Monastery. So, yeah. Floor is yours to speak now or never. Speak now, forever. Hold your silence in peace. In five, four, three, two. And he'll hey. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. What? Maybe What's he's going to back. He's I did want to wanna do a quick shout out, if that's right, um, to uh, Tyler Vela of the Free Thinker podcast. He he does a lot of research <laughs> in that uh, in that area, specifically on terms like Sons of God. Yeah. Um, just a fantastic scholar. I, he's a great friend. Uh, cool. uh, Presbyterian, which is you know forgivable, but. Um, Whoa, dude! I'm Presbyterian, <laughs> man. That guy is automatically right on. I'm, I'm as I, Baptist as the SBC, brother. Oh, so. you slime! Oh. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, anyway, great, great scholar, scholar. I don't know if you know who that is, Jay, but he runs a podcast called the Free Thinker Podcast and talks extensively about stuff like that. So um, yeah. we'll get into yeah, definitions Jay, and word meanings and everything, and just good yeah. stuff. So okay, okay, thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate yeah. it. Check Absolutely. It out, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Mando Amom. <laughs> Man, Mando Amom? M- yeah. Mandoa Mom. I think it's Mandoa Mom, right? Yeah. Mandoa. Yes. Mandoa Mom. Floor is yours. <laughs> Star You've been here for a while. Um, Go ahead. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, I don't know, uh, asking for a friend. <laughs> um, so if you are, if you've met, married your husband in the church or a spouse, let's say, and, um, you know, all of a sudden over the years, things have grown very toxic and grown toxic things. The relationship has grown very toxic. Um, and you know, you try to take it through the church and do counseling through the church. Um, but this is somebody who, you know, browbeats you if you don't attend church, but maybe you watch it online. Wait, 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 wait. I'm getting confused. Um, so I'm really paying attention and focusing. So that's why I'm getting confused. So it's not you, it's somebody else. You know, my, it's my husband. <laughs> oh, okay. You and your husband. Okay. Yeah, husband and he, and so I. He, that's all right. So he's browbeating you and the kids. To How do go you do this? Church. Well, uh, the children would be punished sometimes if they don't go. Um, okay. So your husband, him. your husband goes to church. He does. Okay. We did use we used to together with his job. Then it became impossible for him, which I understood. Okay. Um, and then I would try to go, um, but at this point, the where we are, and I'm not coming at a per, as a perfect person, is that he is he attends a church. If he speaks about God, it's great and it's on point. Um, but. Uh, his actions and his behavior and how he interacts with us is very um, uh, different from the biblical teachings and, you know, what I, you know, understand a husband and wife should interact as. And so my question is, is at this point, it's been 15 years and it's been so negative. It's causing problems for our family. It becomes daily day toxicity. Um negativity, um, false accusations from him, and it's just not healthy. But I, you know, he hasn't cheated on me. So I know that divorce is not 
one of my options. I would like to support him, but this is just too negative. And it, it compromises everything as a witness of God. God okay. So what kind, of, what kind of church are you going to? Uh, oh, a uh, Calvary Chapel. Love and them. And the elders, uh, you talk to the elders about this? Um, I it, Not the elders. We've gone through counseling there, um, but he refuses. So, wait, wait. so you've not talked to the elders? Uh, I didn't know we had elders at this one. We're in a yes, small you do. area. Okay. Okay. At the church. Uh, I attend Calvary Chapel. Normally mm-hmm. they have elders, but sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. So if they don't have elders, you need to go to the pastor. And the pastor had us meet with marriage counseling. Okay. Uh, so you already gone to the elders then. And, mm-hmm. had marriage, and who's the marriage counseling? Um, she's in the church. She's, yeah. Um, Their church, she, the same church? Yes, through the same church. She's got her degree. Um, but in she what? chooses to serve as, as marriage and family counseling. Um, but she chooses okay. to dedicate her um, profession through the church. So it's done. Uh, that's all, the only way she does counseling okay. is through the church. All right. Would your husband be willing to have a Skype meeting with you and him and me? Uh, yeah, he's a huge fan of yours, actually. I mean, not he's that not? I am as well, I, you know, but well, yeah. He is or is not? I, I, he is he's, or is a not. he's a huge fan. I am as well, but I'm sure. Well, he that would. just shows you that you're both really intelligent. That's that's correct. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. That's all That's all that means. That's kind that's of obvious. Everybody I meet. Listen, I, I listen to Matt Slick. I'm smart. See? <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, let me tell you something. I do marriage counseling. I guess you know that, right? Mm-hmm, I do. And uh, I've counseled 35 couples over the years. Mm-hmm. And that couch right there, normally what happens, uh, you don't live near me, so you can't do it. Right. But normally what happens is um, is they come over and then we talk. And the shortest time I've ever spent talking to anybody has been three hours. Mm-hmm. And we talk because I need to hear, see, and go through stuff. Now, 35 couples, 31 of them, it's been the man who's been the main problem. Mm-hmm. And it, there's a problem in, in, in biblical manhood. When I counsel people, I tell them that um, if they've gotten to me, it's mm-hmm. because things are bad. Because mm-hmm. I know what it is, and I know how to fix any marriage. If right. you believe the Bible... And you right. trust in Christ, you claim to be Christian, it's going to work. Mm-hmm. It's going to work. Because that's the promise God has given to those who are covenantally faithful one to another. And then what I do is I teach theology and I, I teach the woman's place and the man's place. And they have mm-hmm. to know their place. And the men often misunderstand what their place is. Right. And so um, they need to be servants greater than their wives are. That's hard to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, because they're the head, they don't understand what that headship really means. But at any rate, if he's willing to, um, I'd be willing to, to you know, talk. We get in the Skype thing and we just go at it for a while. We just yeah, talk. You absolutely. Have to, you'd have to both be on camera okay, where I could see you both at Ew. the same time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know why? Because I I would assume it you our reactions and our facial expressions will also give away some of you know if exactly uh, if right. I'm not being honest you can maybe see it things like that yeah 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 um, and then I can mock people later when I you know when I talk to my wife and then you can, um, <laughs> there you go no I don't do that I'm just teasing you 
my wife, uh, in fact, what I tell people is they'll say, would you tell anybody else? And, I, and my wife will say, how'd it go? And I say, it went well. And she might say, well, who's the main problem? I'll say, usually it's the guy. And what was the issue? Uh, he was a little domineering. And did you give him stuff? Yeah. And that's about it. I don't, I don't well, give details. And I don't mind hearing from a Christian woman's perspective either. She doesn't know anything. She married no. me. You can't trust oh. her. <laughs> well, come on. She married me. You can't right. trust her judgment. So that's just off the table automatically. Apparently your wife is not in the house right now. <laughs> She's downstairs, so I'm safe. Okay, okay. I just want to publicly say online that I don't condone that statement so my wife doesn't hear it. <laughs> you are going to get me in trouble, Matt. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Once my wife and I were having an argument. I, I love said, my wife. She is beautiful and, and precious <laughs> and smarter than me. I'm going to go on saying that. Very much. Is she standing there with her hand on her hip, that kind of thing, giving you the look? Nope. No. You better say that. It doesn't mean like you're trained pretty well. She's great. I yeah, insult my wife all the time on the radio, I, too. Please. I do. I say that. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Um. Yeah, no, I think that I think that would be great. Thank you. You know, um, I had a couple other detail based questions on this, but if you're Go going to meet with us, well, I don't want to taint your opinion uh, one way or the other because it's just me here right now. So, um, ask how old you are. I'm 42. How old she? He's 37. How long have you been married? 15 years. How many kids you got? Uh, I have one from a previous relationship before I found God. Yes. Um, and then um, uh, we have one, a 14-year-old together. Okay. okay. All right. And he's willing to talk? Let me know. Yeah, you absolutely. Email Just, me, okay? Just email yeah. me at uh, mattslick at gmail.com. And hopefully okay. I'll see it. How many I've got in there? I'll put something crazy in the thing up top. You want a million dollars? Because we open all of those, right? I probably, yeah, I always, yeah, that's why my screen flickers. Yeah. Just, just, just type in something heretical and then, you know, something will snap. Oh, right yeah, there you go. But then. <laughs> Joseph Smith is a true prophet. <laughs> okay. Just kind of created a little bit of, of uh, some stuff there, getting into my brain, you know. <laughs> my spiritual Tourette's is going to kick in. Oh, no. But, um, okay, well, thank you. And as holy, did he come back on? I really want to hear what he's got to say. But he did, but I booted him out because he's uh, not going to speak. He's not going to say. He's like, he's, yeah. yeah, come on. Yeah, I, I mean, if you that. got the conference, pop in and say, hey, this is what's going on. I want to hear it. You know, okay. if this guy's right, we're never going to hear it, right? What I do is I say it like it is. Period. Yes. Yeah. And, Sometimes they both usually get it, but usually, usually it's the guy. Eh. It yeah, is. it is. Yeah. I mean, I I've had people sit in that couch and and guys have said stuff. I'm like, I've said, "Are you stupid? Are you really that stupid?" Say that about your wife right there. I mean, I've said that. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna duke it out right now, right? You know. But at any rate, I'll watch that. <laughs> if you put that up on YouTube, I'll watch it. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I mean, I said one guy. One guy. His wife is, is was overweight. I actually said this was. I've counseled him several times. I, I knew them, and, and and she was definitely. She could have lost uh, eighty, a hundred pounds, mm -hmm. and uh, he was complaining about her weight. She was actually pretty, mm -hmm. and um, 
you know, she lost weight. She'd have been gorgeous. And so, you know, he's, and he, he's complaining. Oh, look at her. She's right there. She goes, look at her. She's so big. And she's so fat. And she's just unattractive. And, 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 you know, I said, well, she's had your kids too. That does something to her body, you know? And yeah, but she, this, yeah, but that. I go, look at you. You look like a Neanderthal. You have a sloped forehead, <laughs> big brows. I watched you come up here to the stairs. You drug your knuckles. I said, oh, my goodness. I mean, he's a troglodyte. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I were to get a banana and wave it, you'd go, Ugh. oh my gosh. <laughs> Good gravy. Not much to it. All right. So- I'm going to pop off of here. I love it. Appreciate uh, everything that um, you've had to share. And I will email you. Um, Thank you, guys. But um, I'm sure others are waiting. And I don't want to monopolize everything. So, All right. We're going to be wrapping up shortly. But, um, yeah, we just got got a couple more people in here. Um, Guild, I think it is. Go ahead and unmute your mic. I think it's Guild. Can I take a break and use the restroom here? Oh, sure. Yeah. One no, minute. No, no. Sorry, I'll be right back. Dance for us, monkey. Dance for us, monkey. <laughs> dance, puppets, dance. Okay, hey, yeah, so before, you, go. before you yeah. do wrap tonight, uh, yeah. I wanted to uh, drop a link in for uh, Seeking. She was speaking earlier about reaping and so forth. I don't know if she's got her chat window open, but uh, I posted a link in there that might be something she'd be interested in looking at. Uh, I believe she's on a phone. So you want to probably do ah. the external uh, hangout uh, chat. So uh, not the internal one like we have right now. The, the oh, I didn't know. I didn't, know, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know the phone didn't have the chat uh, window. She, no, sees it. she just said I'm here. So. Okay, okay, okay. Yep. Well, she's here, but did she see the link? I'm assuming so. Yep, got the link. Thanks. Wonderful. There you go. Perfect. Great. Fantastic. Okay. Just don't pay attention to me then. I don't know anything. Um, I love when technology works. Yeah. It does. So while we're waiting for Matt, maybe we'll just, uh, I don't know, sing a song or something. (laughs) (laughs) I would certainly get anybody got a favorite hymn. Yeah. (laughs) What was that again, Charlie? Okay. I said I would I would certainly be booted if I sang anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you both. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um Guild, if, if you can, uh unmute your mic and ask ask away if you can. And I don't know. I see her I think she's cut her audio. Yeah, we see your we see your video, we don't see or hear you. Guild, can you can you say anything? Hello, can you wait? Kind of scared right now. Yeah. Okay. She oh, she moved. She's she's definitely. Hello. Yeah, she, she has to unmute herself, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. She doesn't to do that. You know, there. If you see your own window, there, Guild, the little microphone with a slash through it. Click on that microphone. And that's one way, I think. The other way is to put your mouse at the top of the window, and you can see the figures, the things up there, the icons. And one of them will have a mute, which is red. See? So if you click it off, 
it looks like you you might not have your microphone set up on your windows either <laughs> possible or you can just type in your question yeah on the uh, right hand side there should be a little text box for you to oh guild gold seven videos from phd catholic apologists who know the biter better than any of us so guild are you catholic just nod your head if you are you catholic Yeah, okay. You can hear me. You know. Yeah, Hello. you can. Hello. Move on. Because seven PhDs doesn't mean anything. You know something? Um, let's see. See if I've got this book. I've got so many books all over the place. Ah, oh, I have a book of 50 priests who left Catholicism and became uh, Protestants. So, you know, I mean, seven PhDs who say this or that. What about my 50 priests who left Catholicism? I got, I've got the book someplace. I just have too many books. I don't even know where it is. So uh, it really doesn't mean much. I guess you can't hear. Anybody else got a comment or question they want to say or ask? Apparently, Guild is giving us YouTube links that she wants us to view. Well, this is a talk show kind of discussion. So this is where you actually come on and discuss things with Matt and ask questions. And we're not here to watch videos. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be interested in what you think the Catholic Church uh, knows uh, better of the Bible than, say, Matt or another Protestant. Yeah. I'm looking okay. at one of the links, and uh, let's get it. Steve Ray, are you born again? A Catholic response. Uh, she asked, who has the authority to interpret the word of God? Christians. So watch this. Here's a, a common thing that Catholics will say. And what they do, they don't understand that they are they're begging the question. They're assuming that authority is necessary in order to interpret Scripture. So that's why they ask, who has the authority as though authority is necessary to interpret Scripture? So I'm going to um, put in a verse, and I'm going to see if uh, we can interpret it. Now, uh, we're Protestants, so that they would say we don't have um, the authority. So here we go. This is the verse. I'm going to put it in the text. I'll show you. Oh, hold on a sec. Here we go. There we go. Um, there it is. John 11:35. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in English and the Bible. Now, this is in the context of Lazarus had died and he went to the tomb and he wept. Um, I'm going to interpret this and see if you guys agree with my interpretation. What I think it means when it says Jesus wept is I I'm going to interpret to mean that um, he had tears. He was crying and he wept. That's that's my interpretation. What do you guys think? Am I am I right or wrong? I'm oh boy, that's a tough one. <laughs> so Guild, am I right? Is that what it means? <clears throat> do I need the authority of the Catholic Church to interpret that? Don't, I don't need the authority to interpret that. Well, I don't need to, the authority to interpret the next verse either. 
That's what this verse says. So the Jews were saying, see how much he loved him. See, the Jews were saying, see how much Jesus loved Lazarus? I didn't need authority to interpret that. No one needed authority. When people say you have to have authority to interpret the scripture, they forfeited their own right to look at the word of God and read it for themselves. Furthermore, look at this. Watch this. Authority smorted at me. Here we go. This is Romans 14, 1 through 5. That's what it says. Now, accept the one who's weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Opinion? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Opinion. Like, I'm Presbyterian. I believe in infant baptism, but not for the purpose of salvation. I believe in covenantal baptism. I don't think anybody else in here affirms that. It's my opinion. Their opinion differs from mine. It's not an essential doctrine of the faith. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another to his own master? He stands or falls, and he will stand, but the Lord is able to make him stand. Verse 5, one person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. If the authority of the Roman Catholic Church is necessary in order to interpret Scripture, why does Paul the Apostle say that each person must be fully convinced in his own mind? Because that would imply then that they have the authority to read the Word of God on their own and come up with different opinions, and that's okay, Paul the Apostle says. So when people tell me, you know, you've got to have the authority to be able to interpret the Word of God, authority, shmority. You don't have to have that authority. Does the Roman Catholic Church have the authority of God? Uh, no. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Matthew 10, 1. Verse 10. Uh, no, it's what verse is that? No, that's, that's 10, 1. So the authority that they had in the Roman Catholic Church claims that it has the authority from the apostles. And so the authority from the apostles is to be able to cast out demons and to heal. All right. Now, I did an article on this recently. I'm going to, I don't have it all memorized yet. Does the Roman Catholic Church have the authority of Christ? That's the article on CARM. And I'll put the link up here. You can see it. Now, check this out. Because what it says is, uh, in Luke 5, 24 through 25, but so that you may know that the Son of God, Son of Man, has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. So in order for Jesus' authority to be vindicated by Jesus' own words, he made a command and the of healing, and the guy was healed. Uh, then Jesus, uh, Matthew 10, 1, I already read, he gave the authority to the... Um, of their unclean spirits to the disciples. And verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give. Now, Jesus raised the dead on command. He said, uh, touch the coffin, and he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Peter raised the dead on command. Tabitha, arise, Acts 9, 40 through 41. Peter healed on command in Acts 9, 34. Peter said to Ananias, Jesus heals you, get up and make your bed. He immediately did it. Paul healed on command at Lystra. A man was sitting, blah, blah, blah. Stand up right on your feet. And he leaped up. 
and began to walk. Now, the authority that Christ had was on command to be able to exercise healings and various things. In Matthew 10:1, Jesus gave the authority to the disciples, and he gave it in verse 8 of Matthew 10 in order to go out there and heal the sick, raise the dead, do the lepers, the whole bit. Peter and Paul did this on command. Peter, they would, the Roman Catholics would say, had the apostolic authority. Then let's see the, the Roman church exemplify the same apostolic authority. Let's She's unmuted now, so I don't know if she can talk. Okay, let's see the Roman Catholics exemplify the same authority that they say they have that's given from Christ down to the apostles. We see how that authority is exemplified and carried out by Jesus and the apostles, and the Roman Catholic Church doesn't do it. Now, the Roman Catholic Church says, well, we have healings ah, on command. And even if it did, Matthew 7, 22 and 23, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons, perform many miracles? I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of evil. You see, the Roman Catholic Church has got a problem because it wants to say it has the authority, but the authority is not testable. It's just a claim. But you don't need authority to interpret Scripture. But yet it says you do. What? So you have to go to the Roman Catholic Church with its authority to tell you the truth. Now, before I'm done, one last thing. How many verses... Has the Roman Catholic Church officially interpreted in 2,000 years? The most I've ever heard is 15. Yeah. We don't hear you. You'll have to turn up your sound. I'm not even sure. Yeah, she has a microphone. Maybe she just doesn't have a microphone. That's why. The, the microphone is unmuted, but uh, yeah. I think it's muted on her computer. Yeah, we're not hearing her. Speed. If you're using Windows, the bottom right-hand side of your Windows screen is called the tray. You'll see the date or the time. And to the left of that, you will see a speaker. Right mouse click on that speaker. Go to open sound settings. Right mouse click on the speaker, the bottom right. And then it'll say choose your output device. And hopefully... Input. It's the microphone. She needs the microphone, so it's input device. Yeah, input, not output. Yeah, that's right. You're, you're, thank you for choose, choose the input device, not output. Yep. You're right. Yep. On input, it says choose your input device. Yep. And then make that, uh, if you're on a laptop, use your laptop uh, microphone. Yep. Welcome to Tech Tonight with Matt Slick. <laughs> Incidentally, one of my favorite things to do, period, is to build a computer from boxes, packages, and everything all the way up. It's a rush. Oh, yeah. I know. It's fun. It's Man, a rush. What's that? Uh, you would love my computer. Oh. I'm very much got? that kind of. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. We're going to do this. Uh, I want to hear. <laughs> I have an X, uh, an MSI X299 Carbon uh, Gaming AC with a 1080 Ti uh, graphics card, 64 gigabytes, uh, G-Skill, uh, Trident Z uh, DD5, memory. Right? DDR5? Oh, oh, DDR4. Four? Um, okay. Yeah, at 3200 I have... That's, awesome. That's like a $600 video card, isn't it? Uh, yeah. It's pretty okay. expensive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah, and uh, uh, Corsair uh, Hydro Pump 
for the uh, CPU cooler. Oh, I have an 8700X uh, um, CPU. Hey, yours is, you've got a faster machine than I do. I yeah, have an i7, and my motherboard's, uh, my MOBO is three years old. But I got uh, 32 gigs of DDR3 in it. But it works fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have two 27-inch uh, 4K monitors with a 32 uh, um, up there as well. You're rocking 4K. What do you? What do you? What's your graphics card? It's uh, only about 280 buck graphic card, a 580 uh, AMD, because it has to have FreeSync on it. And you're rocking 4K? Wow. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm doing 4K right now. That's right, because I spent all day on this computer. <laughs> so, and I have a, a half a. I got a 500 gig uh, S, uh, SSD. In fact, here, check this out. Look at this. Look at this. Five hundred gig SSD. That's what I got. Five hundred gig SSD. Five hundred gig SSD. Five hundred gig SSD. And one in the computer. And I got hard drives everywhere. You know, two terabytes and all that. If you're, if you're constantly uploading stuff, I, I highly recommend getting uh, M.2 storage. It is insanely fast. It's so fast. I got a terabyte of it. Wait, wait, wait. M.2? Yeah. It's so fast. It's lightning fast. It's like like 15 times SSD. It's crazy. What? Yeah, it's so fast. I put all my games and stuff on there. It's it's lightning. I I, I, I only do writing and research, you know. And even then, oh, and I use my uh, speech recognition program, and even then, it's not fast enough for me. I want. That's why I got this. I'm going to be building myself a new system, so I'm going to be moving this stuff over into a new system. I get an updated mobile, and huh? Oh yeah, I'd love to help you, (laughs) man. I I can tell already. You and I, if we had all the parts. Oh yes. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, we're gonna build this baby up. Put some, you know, put it. Oh, it'd be like delightful. I mean, I love doing it. I like doing the motherboard and rub it on my chest. Oh yeah. (laughs) Do do I need to get the fire hose out and start? (laughs) start (laughs) I want the computers on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. I love it. I'm out of I'm out of touch with a lot of the new stuff though. But uh, because you know, but I used to be a computer tech at Hewlett Packard. But anyway, okay, okay, we're done. H. Anyway, check it out. M. Point two storage. Yeah. Here's it. Check this link out. You should not have told me this. <laughs> it's so fast. <laughs> oh, is it RAM? No, it's SSD. Mm-hmm. But is it for it's, it's for the RAM purpose? It's or not for non-viable. Or volatile. You rewrite it. Something. Yeah. Non- What's the rewritability on it? Oh, it's just so fast. Uh, I mean, no, because like an SSD, you, can, you know, you got so many rewrites before it, it's no good anymore. Oh, you know, no, it's, it's all flash. You can do it a, You can do it as many times as you want. There's no disk. Oh, so, so it's flash. Yeah. Got you. Oh, I see what you're talking about. M.2 for the RAM configuration because that's a SIM. Oh, wait a minute. That's a weird. What kind of SIM ending? Dude, I need a motherboard that fits that now. Uh, uh 3,400 uh, megabytes per second, uh, writes 1,500 megabytes per second. Just ridiculous speeds. That's faster than I think. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Now, if somebody should say, well, it's not that fast then, is it? 
<laughs> wow. I'm massively distracting this. I'm sorry. Um, any oh, other questions? Man, so wait, wait, this this can serve as RAM, but it says SSD. Okay, we'll have to talk another time. Okay, yeah. good. We'll we'll talk about yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. So I want to get an aquarium for you. We need to get you another Mo Mobo first. That's that's step that's step one. We need to get you out of that DD three, DDR three. Well, I'm, you got four now, and I want to do up. And uh, but you know, I just need it for research and uh, for high graphics. I don't play games except for chess and things like that. It doesn't take. Yeah. There's nothing in there, so I just yeah. need complete research. But if I can get something that's so fast, I might do some game entertainment because these these monitors can handle that. It, they crank. Oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Okay. All right. You know, we've been going at it now for two and a half hours, and we're not able to seem to. I mean, Guild. I mean, we appreciate you coming in here and all that, but it, it makes it much better for you to actually speak, uh, so we can actually converse with you back and forth and have a dialogue. And unfortunately, we're just not able to. Your links, we'll check out. And uh, anyway, um, we'll go ahead. Uh, Okay. <laughs> Apparently, uh, uh, Mando Mom has thirty more. Questions. Mando Mom has like thirty-four more questions. More questions. <laughs> you know what? I've, I've been looking at this little bit of this video stuff. I can, I know. I've heard so many Catholics twist the Word of God and twist and and just put lies into their stuff. I know I can refute every single one of these guys. And let's talk about the Trinity, of course. You, you, take the, you, take the author, you take the authority to interpret the word of God away from the Catholic Church. They're screwed. Yeah, exactly. So they're going to fight tooth and nail for that, right? Like oh, that's, they have to. They have to. It's, 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 it's us. Salvation's yeah. in the church. It's in our yeah. authority. We'll tell you what it means. Kill. We're the ones you got to come to. I hate that. That's what the cults do. It, it's just not possible for me ever. Can I, say, can I also say that I swear they have like a script because the last question you just wrote is where do you think the Bible came from? I swear they, they use the same thing all the time. I don't think. I yeah. know. He gave you the Bible. Even if you did, which I don't concede, even if you did, I, my next question is then why don't you obey it? <sighs> yeah. How many works you got? They got to do as a Roman Catholic. You know, paragraph twenty sixty eight in the Catholic Catechism clearly says, it says um, that you you attain salvation through faith, baptism, and keeping the commandments. I could talk all night on that. Faith, baptism, and keeping the commandments. You keeping the commandment? No. Well, then you can't be saved. Oh, you got to try. That's not keeping them. Keeping them, not trying. Keeping them. And what the Catholic Church says you got to do for salvation is blasphemous. Blasphemous. It's just, it's, it is the biggest gate of damnation of any religion on the planet because it's the biggest religion on the planet. And it's going to play a part with the Antichrist in the end times. I, I do not like Catholicism. Maybe one day I'll do a thing here. I'll share my screen and I'll go over material and I'll teach on Catholicism and I'll show you how utterly bankrupt it really is, how corrupt it is. But it teaches about Mary and it's blasphemies about Mary. How Pope Pius XI, oh, I could read you what Pope Pius XI said, guys. I don't know if I've done this in years. 
It is so blasphemous what he said. It's just ridiculous. I could do that easily. I do not like Catholicism because I do not like the Pharisaical attitude, the Sadducee attitude that they have of being the ones who are in control, being like the unrighteous judges of Israel, like the Pharisees in the time of Christ, leading the people who want to trust and hope in them, leading them to damnation because they lie to them, believing their own lies. They spread those lies down to the people. The, the darn Catholics are going to rot in hell because of the lies of the Roman Catholic Church, that apostate whore of Babylon. I hate Roman Catholicism. I hate the doctrine. I hate what it does. I hate how it blasphemes God. I hate how it presents the masses a re-sacrifice over and over again, how it makes you submit to the authority of the Roman Catholic Church, how it puts burdens and burdens upon you that you can't even keep and says you must go to the priest to be forgiven over and over and over and over and over again. Your salvation is tied up in that harlot. You have to go to that harlot to get your fill, to get your feed of grace that comes to you because grace to them is a substance that's infused into you. And the more you get through the sacerdotal system, the more righteous you are before God. So your salvation depends on the authority of the Roman Catholic Church. That authority is a blasphemous thing from the Roman Catholic Church. It's it's demonic because it means that they are the ones who could tell you what God's word means. You can't even go to it yourself. Even though Paul said each person must be fully convinced in his own mind, that refutes flat out what the Roman Catholic Church says about coming to it and its authority. What Paul's saying is you can read the word of God on your own and get it. You don't need any sneaking authority. I've studied so much of the cults so much of Mormonism, so much of Jehovah's Witnesses, so much of Islam over the years. I see the same thing in Roman Catholicism. you got to go to that group, that restored gospel, in this case, the original gospel. You have to go to their authority, their prophet, their priest, their king, their pope, their whatever, in order to be saved, in order to have it given to you by their wisdom, their knowledge, their authority, all the while leading you to the gates of hell so that you can drop into the abyss and rot with the enemy of the gospel forever. That's what the Roman Catholic Church is about. That's what the Roman Catholic Church does. And in the end time, when the Antichrist comes, it's going to work with the Antichrist in order to foment more deception. In fact, a lot of people don't know this. It's already courting Islam, trying to say that Islam, in fact, I got a quote, they say that Islam serves the same God as the Christians. This is what the Roman Catholic Church says. How stupid, how stupid could you be for anybody to say that? Idiocy, blasphemy, filth, lies. That's what the Roman Catholic Church is to me. I mean, read, listen to these Catholic priests talk about stuff. I could rip them to shreds because they don't stand on truth. They don't stand on God's word. They stand on misinterpretation, the half-truths, logic fallacies, and the authority of the Roman Catholic Church. They are just as much deceivers as the enemy of the gospel is because he's working through them. <sighs> Sheesh. Can I get a mic drop? <laughs> I think about the Catholic Church. And it needs yeah. to repent. Yeah. It needs to repent and stop teaching its heresies. It does. And I'll, I mean, I'll talk to Catholics, but, you know, when I talk to them, I'm going to ask them questions. You know, it, it's just ridiculous. I know plenty of Catholic priests that know the, the whole lot better than you. Really? How much do I know? Do you know how much I know in the Bible? How many verses have they got memorized? You know how long I've been studying the Bible Guild? 
You know how long? You know plenty of Catholic priests who know it better? Does, even if that's true, do you, does it mean that they're right? Because all I've got to do is go to the Word of God. We maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law, Romans 3.28. Or I can go to Romans 4.5, to the one who does not work but believes his faith is credited as righteousness. Oh, then go to James 2. James 2.24, see a man is not justified by faith alone. Oh, yeah, hey, there's a dirty word I'm going to say to you guys. Ready? Dirty word, you ready? Context. Let's read the context. I'll call the Catholic priest out for what he really is, a servant of the evil one. And he needs to repent. Holding up the monstrance after his sorcery, saying that he does a certain thing with a wafer and a certain thing at a certain time, and it changes from the wafer into the actual body blood of Christ. It actually changes when he does this certain ritual. It's called sorcery. Then they put it in a monstrance, and it's the body and blood of Christ, and they worship it. This is paganism. And then they bow before Mary, and they worship Mary. Uh, here, hold on a sec, guys. Uh, what's this? I'm telling you, Catholicism makes me mad, just like Mormonism does. This is what it says. This is the Catholic Catechism, paragraph 841. <clears throat> this is what the official Roman Catholic theology is. This is official in the Roman Catholic Church. The church's relationship with the Muslim. The plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the creator. In the first place, amongst whom are the Muslims. These profess to hold the faith of Abraham. And together with us, they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge on the last day. You know what? That's a true statement. It is true. The Muslims and the Catholics do worship the same God. Not the one I worship. The one I worship teaches salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Paragraph one four, uh, four uh, excuse me, Surah four one seventy one in the in the Quran denies that Jesus Christ was even crucified. It denies the doctrine of the Trinity. It denies that Jesus Christ is God in flesh. That's what Islam does in the Quran. And look what this idiot, stupid statement says. The first place amongst us are the Muslims. These profess to hold the faith of Abraham. Together with us, they adore the one merciful God. They adore the one merciful God. They adore the Trinitarian God with the incarnation of Christ. They do not. And yet they, they get this wrong in the catechism. What is wrong with them? See, I would take a priest and say, is this true? Come on, Mr. Priest, is this true? Do, do you and the, and the Muslims share the faith in the same one merciful God? Because in Islam, Allah is not merciful. And it's called insha'Allah. That means if Allah wills. And you could be perfect in your law-keeping according to the Quran. And insha'Allah, if Allah wills, he'll send you to hell. He's arbitrary. He's not merciful. He's untrustworthy. This blasphemy of the Roman Catholic Church Guild, if you are in it and you believe Roman Catholicism, you are in a state of damnation and you need to repent. You need to come to faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. 
That's who salvation is in. It's not in the authority of some group, some person, some anything other than Jesus. He has the authority. But it's not in some church authority, some church structure, some church anything that some stupid group goes around saying, we have the authority of God. We are the ones. Hey, folks, we have the authority. You don't have the authority to interpret God's word. You can't tell us what John eleven thirty five means. Jesus wept. You can't do that. We have to tell you what it is. How many verses have you interpreted? 11 in the entire 2,000 years. So they've not interpreted infallibly 99.997% of the Bible. And they get one verse every 200 years. And then they change their stuff. And then they say that Mary can be worshipped. And I have the documentation on my shelf right back there. Mary's worshipped. And Mary is the one that you have to go to in these stupid apparitions of Mary. <sighs> Catholicism is a bankrupt piece of crap, is a false religion, and it leads people to damnation. And every Protestant should be standing against it. It's vile teaching. It's false teachings. Every Christian should be against that whore of Babylon. It may or may not be the actual whore of Revelation, but it certainly is a worthwhile contender. I got to do this a little bit more since you guys are letting me go. This kind of stuff makes me mad. I'm going to read some apparitions that the Roman Catholic Church says really is Mary. <laughs> this is what it says really is Mary. The Roman Catholic Church has officially said this is really Mary. 1531, Guadalupe, Mexico, appearing to Juan Diego. This is what the apparition says. Know for sure, my dearest little one and youngest son, that I am the perfect the perfect and ever Virgin Mary. That's what the Bible says. She lost her virginity. He kept her virgin until Jesus was born, Matthew 125. But hey, who cares about scripture? This is another apparition from Guadalupe in 1531. I am truly your merciful mother, yours and all the people who live united in this land and all the people, other people of different ancestries, my lovers who love me, those who seek me, those who trust in me. Here, I will hear their weeping, their complaints, heal all those their sorrows, hardships, and sufferings. So now the apparition is saying, all those who come to me, who seek me, who trust in me. The Holy Spirit bears witness of Jesus Christ. The Father bears witness of Jesus. The prophets bear witness of Jesus. The scriptures bear witness of Jesus. Jesus bears witness of himself. What does this apparition do? Come to me. Those who seek me, those who trust in me, that's not the spirit of Christ. Another apparition, appearance in Guadalupe, 1531. Am I not her, excuse me, am I not here? I who am your mother, are you not under my shadow and protection? Am I not the source of your joy? Are you not in the hollow of my mantle, in the crossings of my arms? Do you need anything more? The implication of the rhetorical question is, no, you don't need anything more than Mary. You don't need anything more than being in her shadow, her protection. She's a source of your joy in the hollow of her mantle, in the crossing of her arms. You don't even need Jesus because you got Mary. Blasphemous pig doctrine. This is 1917, Fatima, Portugal, May 13th, incidentally. Are you willing to offer yourselves to God to bear all the sufferings he wants to send you as an act of reparation for the sins by which he's offended and for the conversion of sinners? Now, wait a minute. The apparition is now saying that these three children here, what they have to do is suffer to make the sins that God's offended by make them better. That's blasphemy. That is blasphemy. That is blasphemy. 
Jesus' blood is what cleanses of our sins. Nothing we can do can contribute to the work of Christ. Nothing we can do. The best we've got are filthy rags before God, Isaiah 64, 6. And here, this false apparition, which the Roman Catholic Church can't even tell is a false apparition. And why can't it? Because it has its own authority, and it puts its authority over the Word of God, and it reaches tradition equal to authority, and it has a tradition, so it tells you what is equal to Scripture, and it has to falsely interpret the Scripture of God in order to make its blasphemous teachings be consistent with its blasphemies in its churches on a weekly, daily basis. This is what it says. Jesus wants to make, make me known and loved. He wishes to establish the devotion to my immaculate heart throughout the world. I promise salvation to whoever embraces it. These souls will be dear to God like flowers put by me to adorn the, this throne. So wait a minute. So this apparition in Fatima, Portugal, 1917. Jesus wants to use you, these children, to make me known and loved. Really? Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Matthew 11, 27, 28. That's what he says. He didn't say to go to anybody else. Salvation is found in Christ, not in Mary. Because she, this apparition, this false demonic apparition, says he, Jesus, wishes to establish the devotion to my immaculate heart. Are you friggin' kidding me? The immaculate heart of Mary, devotion to it? What, there's this heart? I'm going to have devotion to it? Are you kidding me? I promise salvation to whoever embraces it. What's the it? The devotion to the immaculate heart of Mary. The apparition promises salvation. What does the devil do? He lies. He lies. This is lies. And how do I know it's lies? Because the scriptures don't teach this. The scriptures don't teach this. The scriptures speak against it. There's one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2, 5. Jesus says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Here's a third apparition. <clears throat> the third apparition of Mary in Fatima, July 13th. Sacrifice yourself for sinners and say often to Jesus, especially whenever you make sacrifice. Oh, Jesus, it is for the love of thee, for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for the sins committed against the immaculate heart of Mary. Now they have to make reparations for sins committed against Mary. Anybody who's filled with the Spirit of God would recognize the demon speaking here and how do they recognize a demon speaking it because they know what the truth is the truth is jesus jesus says come to me jesus says he's the way he's the truth he's the life he's the bread he's the door jesus is the way never do you find anybody a prophet god the father mary the holy spirit scriptures the apostles you never find anybody pointing anybody anywhere except to Jesus with these false apparitions which are demonic manifestations they're demons fallen angels that are pretending to be Mary now in order for that to happen there has to be a door opened a door must be opened in order for the occult to get through doors ha have to be opened I know I used to be involved in the occult I can teach on it you have to have a door opened in order for demonic forces to be able to get in this happens in Portugal, heavily Catholic area, 
heavily Catholic, which is heavily superstitious, heavily, you wear medallions, you wear um, se- um, those, those cloth rags. I'm so angry, I can't remember. <clears throat> um, someone will type it in. You wear those things, you go to the priest, you pray to Mary, you serve Mary. These are all combinations of opening up a door occult door because it's necromancy contacting the dead praying for the dead having the dead intercede for you having the false teachings of works righteousness go in having go to the authority of a priesthood that worships objects like the monstrance and that re-sacrifices christ i know that's a representation no it's a re-sacrifice because they say it's propitiatory and they do it all the time this is called opening up demonic doors And this is exactly what's happened in Portugal, and it's exactly what happened in Guadalupe, Mexico, because of their paganism, their their animism, their various forms that were already in the land. And what Roman Catholicism does is not seek regeneration in the heart. It seeks indoctrination of the mind, not regeneration of the heart, where it points to Christ, who then saves you. It teaches salvation is to be obtained through participation in their sacramental system that they have the authority to give to you. And what that means is it's salvation by ritual. It's salvation by doing. It's salvation by incantation. The exact same thing that was already present with the people groups there. And so they are ripe and ready to walk right into the occult system of the Roman Catholic Church. And in so doing, what's happening is the occult doors are simply open. We have these demonic manifestations, and the Roman Catholic Church says, hey, it's really her. The Roman Catholic Church has no authority whatso stinking ever. It does not represent Christ. It does not represent the truth. It represents demonic forces and demonic teaching in its false doctrines. And I bet you, I personally believe, this is my opinion, I believe that in the Vatican are demons walking the halls, whispering into the ears of their servants, the priests and the bishops, teaching them what to say, and in putting upon them and within them demonic doctrines in order to deceive millions of more. Now, we need to have more men who get upset like this, who know the truth of God's word, who stand on the word of God, and like Luther, I'll say, It's the word of God I stand on. I can do no other. As the Roman Catholic Church sought to kill him, to murder him like it did so many others, because he stood on the word of God, because he would not agree with what they said that the word of God meant, but they don't have any authority. They can't even discern truth from error when it comes to their mariolatry. Little by little, the mariolatry through the centuries has grown and grown and grown so that now, She's worshipped, and I've got the documentation. And she's deified. She's deified because she can hear all prayers of all people in all languages that are thought, that are spoken simultaneously all over the planet, and she can answer them. That's Mary? Where did they get that? Not God's inspired word. They did not get it from God's word. They got it from their sacred tradition. What is sacred tradition? Sacred tradition is that tradition that they say is sacred. What tradition? 
where did the tradition come from? Does Pope Bob say to Pope Frank in the Vatican, hey, do you hear the one about Mary walking down the road? And then it becomes codified later on in 200 years because everyone starts believing it. Where did it come from? How do they know? Oh, the church has the authority. How do you know it has the authority? It has the authority to interpret tradition. Tradition and scripture are equal. Why do they say tradition and scripture are equal? Because they are elevating themselves, tradition, to the level of God. They are the unrighteous judges of Psalm 82. You see, look, inspired word of God. Inspired. Tradition of man. Not inspired. Roman Catholic Church's authority. Hey, it is inspired. Who has that tradition? We do. Who tells you what the tradition means? We do. Who tells you what the, what the word of God means? We do. That's how can we know Mary appears and you can pray to her and she can hear everything. <clears throat> That's why they call her the all-holy one, the one who's second to Eve. That you can entrust your cares to Mary, devotion to Mary. Have Mary pray for you. Mary's worshipped. Uh, no better way than to look to Mary, entrusting ourselves to Mary in prayer. Mary sits at the right hand of God. Mary is second only to Jesus. Mary taken into heaven. No one goes to Christ but through Mary. Mary's the advocate, the helper, the mediatrix, the mother of the members of Christ. She's preserved from original sin. Mary is the queen over all things. Mary brings us the gifts of eternal life. Mary, the advocate, the mediatrix. Mary helped make atonement for our sins. Mary crushed the head of the serpent. <clears throat> Mary delivers souls from death. Mary brings the gifts of eternal salvation. Mary's preparing a home for you. Mary hears your prayers. The idolatry of the Roman Catholic Church is so perverse and pervasive that those people who are inculcated to teach by repetition, who are inculcated into the Marian cult inside of the Roman Catholic Church, have been given over to the judgment of God upon them. They're believing the lie. And then, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 31, they promote it and encourage it to others. And that's what the Roman Catholic Church is doing. It's a servant of the evil one, and they need to repent. All right. I can go on, but you guys got to go. That's what I think about Thanks, Matt. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and uh, call it good there. <laughs> Just so you know, this is what happened when Charlie Spine, Charlie in the room here in 1980, when we first met, I only met him one week earlier. He read to me the quote from Joseph Smith where he boasted he did more than even Jesus to keep a church together. And it made me so mad that I started studying. Partly the anger I have against the lies of the devil that bring people to damnation. Partly that anger, that hatred for that lie motivates me to study, to expose the lies of the enemy. And then when I die, all I want to do is bow my face before my Lord. That's it. And just say, Lord Jesus, you receive all the glory and the praise. Period. That's all. All right. But now I'm done. <clears throat> amen and amen. All right. Uh, yeah, you have control, so you can go ahead and shut it down anytime you want there, Matt. <laughs> okay. I forgot. Okay. All right.
Why don't you give us the uh, the true gospel of uh, grace alone and faith alone? Okay. Amen. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, I should have done that, but you're right. Let me do that. We, this we is heard, the, we heard the lie. Let's hear the truth. The truth. Ah, oh, the truth is wonderful. The truth is a blessing. The truth is in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, and they hid themselves, and the pre-incarnate Christ killed an animal, animal skins, shed blood, and covered them. They did nothing but hide, nothing but their sin, and God acted upon them. The euangelia, the protoangelium, the first mention of that gospel right there, that first enacting, that message and that type has been repeated throughout the Old Testament till a time, and I'll skip the types and representations, but we get to the New Testament, and we find this person, Jesus Christ, God in flesh, who kept the law perfectly, 1 Peter 2.22. God in flesh, John 1.1, 1, 1, verse 14, Colossians 2.9. He is the one who did all of everything that we need. And he took our sin in his body on the cross, 1 Peter 2.24. He fulfilled the law that we can't do. He took care of the sin that we could never take care of. He, he's the one who took our place, Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. <clears throat> he let us whip him, beat him, falsely accuse him, make him carry that cross, go to the place of Golgotha, and with his back ripped open, he spread his arms, they nailed his wrists to the wood, and lifted him up. And his bones dropped. I mean, they, the joints popped. The bones were out of joint. Blood down his back, his face, his body. And he stayed there. We know about the law. We can't keep that law. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Love God perfectly. Love your neighbor perfectly. That's the standard of the law. Deuteronomy 27, 26. Got to keep it perfectly. We know we can't. And yet he did. And we understand this intellectually, but what we often forget is that that man, Jesus Christ, God in flesh, what he allowed us to do to him, to injure him, to let us, mankind, lie to him, lie about him, falsely accuse him, and then make him go to the place where we should have. And he stayed there so that he could redeem the ones like us. And he died with our sin in his body. And three days later, that body with holes in it rose from the dead, retaining the wounds of his crucifixion, <clears throat> retaining the wounds of his torture, his agony. And then he forgave. And he gave of himself freely so that all who simply trust in what Jesus did, not what they can do, not what I can do, not what you can do, not what baptism does, not what church authority does, not what church membership does, not what keeping commandments does, but what Jesus did alone on that cross is complete and sufficient. And the only thing we can do is trust in what he did by faith, because that's all we've got left. Because everything we believe and do and touch, everything about us is touched by sin. Even our belief isn't perfect enough. 
but yet he grants that we believe, Philippians 1.29, works that faith in us, John 6.28.29, and faith has its power because of who it's in. And so if you put your faith in your power, excuse me, you put your faith in Christ alone, it has great power. And faith has that ability because it connects with God through the blood of Christ to save us from our sins, to have the righteousness of God reckoned to our account, Philippians 3.9, so that we can be made before God. Salvation is to be saved from the righteous judgment of God. Salvation is to be saved from God. Salvation is to be saved from going to hell. And the only way that can be done is to trust in what Christ has done. And for you to add or for anybody to add anything they do to supplement what God has done on the cross is to say that what he did is not sufficient. Because he said it is finished on the cross. And everything he did that's necessary for salvation was finished there. And all we got to do is all we can do is drop before that cross on our knees in the dirt, drop our hands down, raise them up into the air with our heads facing down and ask Jesus to forgive us. It's completely up to his mercy and his grace, not our works, not our ability. The gospel is simple. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for your salvation because he alone is the Savior. He alone can save. And you can't add anything. And to do so in any way is to accuse him of being insufficient and saying he didn't do enough and you got to do the rest. And that means you're not trusting in him, but him and yourself. And you are not good enough. Trust in Christ alone. Ask Jesus to forgive you for sins. Ask him. Don't have to go to a priest. Go to Jesus. Don't have to go to the sacraments. Go to Jesus. Don't have to go to um, church. Go to Jesus. And ask Jesus to forgive you for sins. Ask Jesus. Trust in him. He won't point you to anybody else or any place else. He'll point you to himself. That's where salvation is in Christ. In Christ alone. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. I'm long-winded tonight, aren't I? Yeah, you're on fire. Lies of the enemy does that to me. All right. I guess I'm going to step out. So, all right, guys. I'm going to close it in five seconds. All right, guys. God bless. See you next week. Three, two.